0: These counterfeit 20s were, the Secret Service called them, very low quality. And he gets pulled over by Bethany, Oklahoma police. So this dumbass bonded himself out with counterfeit money. He just bonded out on a minor charge and got himself a major charge. The next day, the Secret Service leaves a card on, on at his house. And it says, you need to contact me immediately and bring your friend Kyle. I guess they knew that I was with them. <laughs> We all got together and we didn't know what to do. And I I got the idea for, I don't know why, but I said, let's go down to Six Flags. They'll never know what counterfeit (laughs) money is. You give them a 20 for a $2 item, you get $18 back. Right. Right. We started noticing security following us around. We got in line for a a roller coaster called the Shockwave. I got this new tattoo I'm proud of. You know, the Shocker. Y'all don't know what the Shocker is. Where's, Where's Jake now? takes doing good. <laughs> Jaking it up. Catching a case. He had a federal, state, local task force for him for drugs. Okay. So so what happened? What did he end up getting? Got murdered in the second degree. He got 25 years. You so-
1: started this off saying he was doing fine. Hey, this is Matt Cox, and I am here with Kyle, and we are going to be talking about his true
0: crime story, and (laughs) all right, check out the video. I can't believe I'm here. I've seen you on TV, seen you on the commercials. What am I doing here? How did I get here, man? (laughs) I mean, you drove your motorcycle
1: across how many states? Four or five, yeah. It was a nice ride. You don't look so bad. You came in, you said, I have raccoon eyes or something you you you, you look all right now it thank you matt
0: um when you first took your glasses off i was like oh wow when i got to on. the hotel last night i was like there's no freaking way i can do this man so here i am it's fine um so okay well so i
1: mean we talked on the phone a few times you know we just talked before here so what let i mean let's let's start at the Cause your story really it's, it's, it's not like you, it's not like a drug, like just like a drug story. Like it spans all the, all these different things have happened that you've been on the peripheral of, you know what I mean? Right. And then sometimes in the middle of, but, but have managed to not be gotten tied up in them. But, um, so let's start at the, you know, at the kind of the, I was going to say the crux of the problem, but at the beginning, which is, you know, so, you know, like where were you born, and I and you know what does your dad do, and what does your
0: uncle do? Okay, okay, life story here. Yeah, yeah. I was born Thank under you. a bad moon, in Zanesville, Ohio, nineteen sixty nine. What's up? Uh, two two parent home, very stable. One older brother, very conservative, very middle class, very Protestant. Um, well provided for. No, my mom is from panhandle of texas a small town girl very the nicest the gentlest easiest to like person i met she's always been there for me my dad comes from dallas and he was a provider a great provider you know classic old school dad took care of us my dad was really strict i mean he he wore the pants in the family my dad um Got a scholarship, played major college football, was a marine, and then became an FBI agent. Uh, and what did he, what did he focus on? Sports. Oh, and the FBI <laughs> the bureau, the, in the FBI. Yeah. Well, my dad was a man that revealed very little about himself, and even less about his job. But when we were in Ohio, where I was born, he was is just a re- resident agency. So. I think they just covered everything. Whatever came in the door, right? Could be I, bank robbery. Could be drugs. Could be. I know that he used to. Um, it's not like he was on a task force. No. Okay. He used to. Um, he used to be out of town for two or three days investigating the theft of inter- of cars that cross the state lines. But other than that, I don't know. A, a funny story my mom told me about was there was a uh, drive in movie and they were showing a movie called Flesh Gordon. (laughs) And there was an X-rated version, and then there was kind of like a softcore version. So dad had to go check out the movie to make sure they were playing the softcore version, and he took my mom on this undercover stakeout. (laughs) But uh, growing up, sports were a big deal. My brother was playing little league sports, high school sports, my brother played college baseball. I I stuck with basketball through high school. Um, but watching sports was a big deal. That's when my dad kind of was didn't seem so frustrated and mad. And you know, we were big fans of the Dallas Cowboys, of uh I don't know. Uh Did you get into trouble when you were a kid or? First time I got in trouble, I was five years old, Matt. Um there was a kid that that my mom agreed to watch it was her friend who played tennis with her and uh i didn't know the kid i was five i was a little bitty shit you know you're five but in my my house there's a lot of rules it was real strict you follow my dad's rules he and you know it was kind of like the guest was always right but this kid had just lost his father and his mom was out on a date that's why he was with us so i don't think he was in a good place so when we were at church how was he he was like six or seven. He was a year or two older than me. But, um, and I was a real gullible, naive kid. You know, I I think if this kid would have been my friend, I wouldn't have agreed to do what he wanted to do. But he, he hatched a plan while we were in church that we were going to walk to his house. And that was a long way away. And I was like, okay. And uh, we got our, on the big wheels. Remember the little big wheel things? Did you have one? Yeah. <laughs> Those were awesome. Um, we rode our big wheels up to the end of the cul-de-sac ditched him, and we were going to walk to his house maybe an hour away and there was a our neighbors had a barbed wire fence that that was the shortcut there was these two big german shepherds that kind of guarded the opening of this fence and i was i was scared of dogs you know we didn't have dogs our family so we get to these dogs i'm scared and the kid walks to and he's like come on they're not going to hurt you you don't get through so i walked through them We walked to his house and uh, he looks in the window and uh, then he says, okay, let's go. And I'm like, what the, you know, why did we do all this? just So he could look in his window. So I was like, I'm not walking through back through the dogs. We're going to go the long way. So the long way was like two or three hours and we were going a long time. So when we were walking through this, this um, farmer's field, there was a barn and he pushed me in the barn and he told me that the old widow farmer lady likes to shoot trespassers with a so- uh, with a shotgun loaded with salt. And he pushed me in this barn. And I remember all the things up to that point. But after that, I don't remember anything, but we'd been gone for hours. My mom and dad were freaking out. My brother and all the neighborhood kids were um, looking for us. And when I got home, my dad kind of snatched me by the arm and took me up to the room and he was spanking me, you know, and he wanted me to cry to submit. And my mom said, I wouldn't do it. You know, I felt like, Hey, this ain't on me. That wasn't my friend. I was just being a guest. I was looking out for him. But my mom started to cry. So she started, so I started to cry or whatever. But ever since then, I felt like I couldn't come to my dad. Like I had to hide stuff from him, you know? Right. And after that, kind of a pattern established of taking risk. So, like, one, our neighbors had to shed, and I climbed up on the top of it, and I was throwing tools off of it, I got too far from the edge, and I took a header, landed on my wrist. My wrist was hurt real bad, and I had to hide it from my dad, you know. And another time, I rolled a skateboard down this steep-ass hill and crashed at the bottom, had to hide it. Another time, I... um. Was climbing this tree. I was way high, and I was holding onto a branch like this. And the branch broke, and I was falling. two two, you know, hitting branches. Right. I, I latched on to one, and I caught myself. But um, I just I, I've I've read about younger siblings taking risks, but it seemed like subconsciously I was finding trouble and then hiding. You know, right. This makes me sound like some sort of psycho serial killer, but it's not that bad. But I think every single one of us, when we look back at our life, has little patterns and little tells that, that I, I don't know. But right. um, my brother, always obedient, straight, you know, good at sports. He knew he was supposed to be a Republican when he was eight years old, kind of like Michael J. Fox, you yeah. know. And I remember... Like with sports, he he remembered every you know where this guy go to college, and he he he's like a sports genius. Still, still to this day, he sports is his. You know, he follows his college football team around. And he loves sports. That's my brother's way of kind of party, you know. But um, I remember my brother used to like talk about communists. Remember when the communists were the 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 cold war, and we were supposed to fear the communists and. I'd tell my brother hate on the communist and my dad would be all proud of him and stuff. And I would be like, man, he doesn't know anything about this stuff. You know, he's just doing what dad wants him to. So I would say something like, if our government tells us that their government lies to them, couldn't our government be lying to us? And they would call me a communist, you know, if you can see that dynamic. Right. Good, bad, you know positive reinforcement was not was a rare commodity in our house and my brother kind of cornered the market on that so you so know you like to poke the bear yes sir um my friends later on i'm going to tell you about i think similar you know right but uh the only other thing about being from ohio that kind of added to this story is my whole family's from texas and older brother kind of rub it in that you're a yankee you know we're all from texas you know kind of thing just kind of right. that's kind of ways um kind of the way it was um i hope you get high tr- school do you, you get in trouble in high school or high yeah school in high school i always got great grades because i had to get good grades um right. i mean we started getting in trouble very young uh we, when we moved to ohio i felt depression. I mean, I didn't know. I felt just like my whole world was dying. After we moved from my, my dad got transferred from Zanesville, Ohio to Oklahoma City. He's from Texas and the bureau makes the agents move every 10 years, I think probably so they can't get corrupted or something. I don't know, but uh-huh. you know, it's like you put in where your preferred residence is and Dallas is where my dad's from. So we got closer to Dallas. So Oklahoma, is indian territory if you remember that from your history channel and i think that place is a little cursed from all that but when i moved there i was immediately getting into trouble it's just guys on my little how how old were you eight (laughs) jesus christ all right go ahead um (laughs) i have a story but i can't tell the story but um my, one of the friends I met, my first friends, and this guy is going to be a key player in this story. Um, his name was Jake, and we played on the same Little League ba- basketball team. Right. and Same Little League football, ba- basketball, baseball. My dad would coach one team. His dad would coach other. I mean, we were close. And so we. I spent the night at his house, and um, his mom and dad said, good night, boys have a nice night and about 30 minutes later his older brother corby eases the bedroom window up and i'm like what's up and we snuck out into the forbidden night you know and it felt kind of good you know, we i mean i don't know what we did we i think we ran around and rang doorbells and ran i think we broke into a car and stole some cokes some some grocery some grocery bags that were left in the car but from the get-go I mean, these guys were crazy. They didn't like getting where they weren't scared of getting in trouble. Like I wouldn't do this if I was at my house because my dad would have my ass. Right, but um, through the years, we used to sneak out all the time when I hung out with Jake. Jake was was kind of the opposite. He was a confident, charismatic kid. You know, alpha. He, you know, when you're around Jake, you felt like you were you were the show you weren't watching the show you were the shit you know um um like jake when we were in elementary school he would be like the the school fight promoter and he would get started a fight but then he would arrange a decoy fight on the other side of the schoolyard so the real fight could last longer um and he they were always talking about sex girls you know i didn't even know what that was but i am um, when, when we were like in the fifth grades or he was in the sixth grade and he had a fifth grade girlfriend he wanted to have sex with this girl so he devised a plan that got and he got her friends using peer pressure he got with them and said man i know you girls are all virgins but i want get, to get with this girl and talk like you're not to get her to have sex with him which she didn't fall for but jake was real manipulative right (laughs) um so first time first time i ever smoked pot i was offered drugs was this sixth grade and this kid down the street it wasn't jake he's like hey you want to try something and I was like, okay, and he, he went into his dad's um, bathroom, pulled out a little baggie of this green, fluffy substance, and, and we rolled up a joint, and I mean, it sucked. We couldn't even smoke it, but it seemed like anytime anyone offered me anything, I was like, okay, you know, and right. there was this feeling at home based on the relationship with my dad that things weren't right, you know? It never felt right at home. It felt more, I felt more like when we snuck out at night like the night accepted you, you could be who you were. You didn't have to have this mask, you know? And it seemed like that was a pattern with people, you know, the people that were a little dark, I guess you would say, right. I would feel more comfortable around. I mean, I think that's common when people look back at their life, but, um, uh, the first time I ever smoked pot for real, I, I met with Jake, Jake was a year lo- younger than me. So we had this house in our neighborhood. It was called the roundhouse. It was kind of an anomaly. It it had a Spanish tile and it right. was a round house like Adobe and all our other houses weren't like that. It was just old ranch houses, suburban ranch houses. But um, I met Jake at the roundhouse. That was our meeting spot halfway between our houses. And he's, we're headed to baseball practice and he's acting kind of funny kind of goofy and his eyes are kind of red and i'm like what's wrong with you dude and he's like man me and my older brother corby and these kids that moved into the neighborhood um these two brothers we smoke pot i'm high and i'm like no you're not you know i didn't believe him so we got to baseball practice and um we're warming up you know you throw playing catch right coach is right there and jake fakes like a a high fly to me i look up and he drills me right in the gut you know, with the ball and I'm like, oh, and, and he's on the ground laughing. So I believe, you know, he was, I believed him there. Right. So the next day, um, we all met in the ditch and the ditch is like, you know, the canals and subdivisions, they build a you know, that was our clubhouse and it was connected with these miles of tunnels. Mm -hmm. And those tunnels were, you know, the first cigarettes, first game of truth or dare with girls, you know, first a lot of it at first but i sat with four guys smoking weed for the first time my friend jay his bro- older brother corby their our new friend danny and his little brother david we're all sitting in a ditch underground on the tunnels you know and they're telling me come on i can't figure out how to inhale it. And they're like, come on, dumbass, come on, pussy. You know, right. I finally figured out how to do it and we walked out and I was like, Wow, this is great. This is great. Um but the fates of those four guys are going to lead to this story. You know, okay. it's kind of like the classic thing story you hear about drugs and and um and you know what happens to the results of drug drugs right. and stuff. And um but uh so through high school that you know I I played sports I got good grades I walked the line I hung out with my buddy and he was doing wild stuff even back then but I was the one that would always say no I'm Who, not, Jake This Jake, is Jake? Oh. yeah Jake was just wild you know and uh around the eighth grade he told me he was going to um steal a car and him and another guy waited outside of a daycare in our neighborhood and they jumped in a car when the person went in to go pick up their kids they drove to um mexico <laughs> went from to a, oklahoma uh, from oklahoma eighth grade how
1: far away is mexico from oklahoma <laughs> <laughs> One state.
0: yeah, I, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's about 15 hours yeah. but there's there's I weren't with them no oh, no okay, okay. I, see i didn't do that kind of stuff but um what he told me is they went to a town called Boys Town right across the border in Laredo. And it's kind of a famous kind of sex tourism town where truckers go across. And, you know, there's bordellos. And right. They partaked. <laughs> they got laid. And How old was he? About 14. Um, it's not going to end good for Jake. I can already tell. <laughs> You know what? He's doing really good now. Now, and out of respect, his family treated me like family. You know, and there was some when we first met. He told me that him and his 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 mom and dad didn't love each other, and they're going to get divorced when they're eighteen. And I, you know, I didn't know you know what how to process that, but right. I think that that you know, knowing that they weren't on firm ground i think jake and his brother lost respect you know they're yeah
1: yeah that impending doom of that that their whole family would break up at the age of 18 that didn't give him a firm foundation to
0: it seemed like things were kind of a lie you know and his family treated me like my family so i think he had a similar situation where one parent was really accepting and the other parent was strict and could turn off love and you know and and i'm not going to really say which one out of respect to the family but um um i think that has effect on the self-image the same way i didn't really feel like i belonged in my own, that outsider that's misfit and i know there's a lot of people especially at this age that can probably relate to that to some degree but um uh did he get in trouble when he came back I mean, if he's gone, if it's a fifteen-hour drive, he would call his parents, and they would, they they rescued him. They get a bus, right. bus ticket. But when we were younger, they got into a lot of trouble, and, and they um, they they always had jobs, and you know they did their chores around. And you know it, it's it's not what you think. You know, right. things weren't all right in the lily-white suburbs. You know, from the outside in, it looks looks good, but I mean, I think. We can all say that as well. But um, uh, around Jake's older brother, Corby, started hanging out with that Danny kid a lot. Danny was, do you remember the movie The Outsiders? Yeah. Danny was a greaser. He was a character from The Outsiders. They, they came from the rougher part of town. Right. And he was real standoffish you know he seemed like he was ready to fight like he had a chip on his shoulder all the time but um I heard that his father worked for a bookie a famous bookie the biggest bookie in Oklahoma City a guy by the name of Pody Poe but um that's a whole nother story and he comes up later on in this life I met him in prison but um while visiting my friend in prison I didn't do any time but um Danny and Corby were hanging out in Corby was act, acting crazy. Um, you know, he's just having all kinds of problems at home. One time I spent the night with Jake, and Corby came home late, and he got into a cussing match with his parents. Like, you know, F you, y'all don't love me. You know, he. well, it turns out that him and Cor- Danny were smoking freebasing. You know, they were into cocaine. Right. And um, this would have been, I was probably 14 and, but I wasn't doing cocaine, right. but he was probably about 16. The one thing about Corey was he, was, he wasn't he was in the sports like we were, but he was in the drama department. And I saw him in junior high. He performed a lead in a play, and he crushed it. He was singing, and, you know, he was an actor. And he continued on with that through high school, and he had colleges looking at him for giving him a scholarship for the drama department. But – um It was the summer before my sophomore year in high school. And it would have been for Corby the summer before his senior year in high school. There was a newspaper article about a man had been found shot in this multi-level treehouse. Probably five miles from our house on the north side of Oklahoma City. And I'd heard about this treehouse. It was um, some like BMXers and skaters had had, had built it. I'd never been there, but... A guy got shot there. They found him with a bullet wound to the head. And it was a big case. And it, it's the tr- it was called the treehouse murder in the, late, in, in the headlines. And um, they didn't know who did it for a couple days. So it kind of came out wh- who done it. But I remember my dad coming to me and asking me if I knew anything about this. And <laughs> it, it was canvassing uh, the neighborhood. Well, it was from <laughs> the newspapers because it was... Uh, My best friend's older brother was the suspect, you know, and bam. So this is Jake's older older brother
1: brother is the suspect.
0: Okay. And um, it turns out there was a a guy. His name was Thornton. I'm going to say his real name because he's passed out of respect to his family. I'm not going to say his last name, but he was 25-year-old guy hanging out with high school kids. That's odd. Right. Drugs, you know, the the paper said allegedly he was selling marijuana to the kids. I'm sure that they were doing other things as well. But also it says allegedly that he was making sexual advances on these boys. And one night, one of Danny and Corby's friends got kicked out of this guy's apartment. And Corby and Danny had been freebasing cocaine all day and drinking. So... They went over there to kind of avenge their friend being kicked out. And I'm sure there was other reasons behind it. You know, it's, it was a scene I wasn't involved with, but they lured They lured him to this treehouse uh, probably to get high or give him money or something. And and Corby shot him. <laughs> and. Uh,
1: so how did they find out that Corby shot him? You're saying they didn't know for a few days, but how did Darcy I
0: think know? he they turned know? himself in? And I think they had a pretty good idea about it, you know, from from back travel. But, yeah, he turned himself in. Um, um The crazy thing about that is I remember one night me and Jake had snuck out and we went over to Danny's house. And this was before this happened. Hopefully you can edit it. <laughs> but um, um and it's the first time I see Danny kind of let his guard down. And he was, you know, we got high or something. We remember that song eight six seven five three zero nine. Jenny, we were air guitar and that, and it was cool. We had fun, but then I was like, hey, you know, I gotta go. Jenny, don't lose this number, right? Um, and um, so they 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 made a big deal about it. You know, I'd walked home millions of times, but they're like, no, we're gonna walk you home. And Danny pulled out this gun, and I'm like, what the fuck? We don't need this, you know. Right. And they, they made a big deal about walking me home, whatever. See you later. Well, that was the same gun that was used in that right? Th- the, the murder. But it's devastating, you know? I felt bad for Jake. I felt bad for Corby. I felt bad for his family. You know, it was a big trial. and So there was an actual trial? Or did he ple- end up pleading guilty? There was a trial. And I haven't mentioned this on this tape. I mentioned it to you. Um, Jake and Corby's father was a high-ranking official with the State Department of Corrections. He was one of the top five guys for the Oklahoma State Department of Corrections. So that was blasted all in the papers. and um, So he's trying to mount some kind of a defense, like, hey, he attacked me,
1: or I it was self-defense and I shot him, that sort of thing, right? I mean, I'm, I'm sure.
0: They tried to— Otherwise, there's no reason to even go to trial. Like, I the trial, shot the guy. I read the transcripts, and— um, it was basically. I think it was whether or not there was going to be a murder, or you know, I think they his family hired high priced attorneys, got it reduced to premeditated murder right. to a manslaughter. He got convicted of manslaughter in the first degree. How much, how much time? Ninety nine years. At seventeen years old, I mean that's pretty stiff for a manslaughter. Well, I mean, I, I
1: think mean, that, is he in, he's in jail now? Oh, okay. So he didn't do
0: 99 years then. So. No, he sure. got out after 16 years. <laughs> Fuck. Um, yeah. Doing really good. What I right. hear, I haven't talked to him, but making well into six figures right. you know, and on the right path. I think because of who his father was and it was been blasted, he couldn't go to an Oklahoma prison. He, you know, maximum right. security prison. And I know that, I don't know, any of the details are particulars. I know that he was out in California and I think Washington State and I think it was a pretty easy prison where he, he got like conjugals and stuff like that, but I'm I'm not sure. I mean I know it he got conjugals because I think he had a family. Man, I really I don't wanna it, go into it, his it, life.
1: Anyway, yeah, yeah. So I so I hope
0: y'all can edit no, that
1: part. You gotta stop worrying. Don't worry about it. It's fine. I had all just this.
0: just okay. um so what so so anyway so it was devastating right um you know i remember the radio played uh From the trial and you heard a shriek in the courtroom when they announced the sentence. Right. And that was their their sister, you know, freaking out. And Jake, you know, I felt like he was a pariah. You know, a lot of his friends, his parents told him, Don't hang around this guy, you know, he's bad news. And my family always never did that to me. Yeah. Right. They were they were friends with I mean, we we were all tight and they didn't judge, but um, it sucked. <laughs> I mean, it's sad that that happened you know and I think that happened because a guy was really high in sight on in in a state of psychosis induced by drugs you know and in his trial it says you know he admitted that he doesn't remember anything until he he hearing a gunshot and looking down and it was in his hand so um, crazy kids don't do drugs man (laughs) so so i I
1: mean so what happened after that i mean he is you know are you did you know are they still in the same you're still hanging out with him you're still same um
0: you know we ran in different groups jake's jake's a center retention guy in junior high do you remember a bullshit popularity contest we called it spirit royalty he was always voted one of the top three the I didn't really consider him this way, but girls would say he's a super good-looking guy, right. high confidence, you know. By the time high school came around, I think he'd gotten kind of a bad reputation. Uh, but we we would see each other on songs. We were friends, but we I didn't hang out in the same groups as him. When 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 me and Jake hung out alone, I felt like we could be ourselves. But it seemed like when we were around groups, that's when he tried to being the badass, you know, and starting fights with people and all that. And that was not my scene at all at that time. So, right. but, um, through high school, uh, you know, Jake played football and he was a real good football player and his sophomore year, he was on the JV team and he, he scored like, seven of the touchdowns at their team. It's, you know, seven out of the 10 touchdowns, but he was hanging out with that Danny kid and why he would hang out with the same guy that was partially responsible, you know, right. For, this is why I'm right. This is why you look back and you know what happened, you know, it's, it's friends, even though I'm not making excuses for anybody or myself, but you, I mean, you kind of, I'm sure you have done that to some degree, yeah, haven't you? Yeah, sure. Everybody does. Um, but they were hanging out. Danny and Jake were robbing houses in high school. And in Oklahoma City, the toughest neighborhood that we knew of was the project called Kerr Village. So they would rob houses, go to Kerr Village and handle their business, you know, trading their stolen goods and buying crack. <laughs> And for suburban kids to go into the toughest neighborhoods, you know, I mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a, it's a recipe for disaster. It's also, you know, when you come from a very structured life and everything's, you know, as it should be, there's no real excitement. There's right. no real rites of passage, proving grounds. I think that's something that, that was evident and all that. But um, Jake, Jake was on the path to go to prison. You know right and but he straightened up and he had a a girlfriend a good a good girl that he that he you know they dated and she I think she influenced him he ended up dropping out of school because he got kicked off of the football team and enrolled in a private school in which he um he could work at his own pace and he finished his junior and senior year in one year married his high school sweetheart. And they moved away to baltimore which was a he needed to get out of all the influences that that he had um so at after high school that's where jake went for me even though this story is all about my friend you know i found out that i was my dad got transferred back to dallas so the day i moved graduated high school we moved to dallas and here I am in Dallas. Now, I'm gonna switch this story up. Okay. <laughs> uh, this is this crazy thing in my life. But when I moved to Dallas, it was just like when I moved to from Ohio to Oklahoma City, I felt like my whole world was dying in a state of depression, you know, which I, sh- I, I was moving to a great city with beautiful women, you know, all kinds of opportunity, but I had to feel sorry for myself, you know, and- Right. I was kind of mad at the world and and we were staying with my grandparents and um my dad's my dad's parents and my they were really strict you know they were a lot like my dad I saw you know the kind of people that you couldn't really be yourself around but they were um successful yeah I wasn't in a great state of mind rebellious and right. I, I didn't want to move to Dallas but really? who? little violence um we were staying with my grandfather my grandfather was very religious and um so catholic no we were protestant very protestant people Very... Catholic. hold your emotions in really yeah so so catholics
1: i feel are very it's a very kind of a scary religion <laughs> There's all kinds of you know there's all kinds of saints and spirits and this is all kinds of shit going on there's crosses and
0: don't get me started because yeah. you will not get monetized And it's, it's
1: off it's, off you know, topic. There's uh, there's, there's the, the seances and there's, uh, what do you call it, um, exorcists and, you know, all this creepy shit comes out of the Catholic religion. Like, it's super
0: creepy. I mean, when I was a child, they told me that there's this invisible man that controls all and he knows every thought in my head and he's judging my, <laughs> to me, that's pretty scary and intrusive, but that's a whole nother should should keep you on the straight and narrow, but it apparently it didn't. So, so you moved. So you moved. So we moved and um, we were staying with my grandparents. My grandparents, my paternal grandparents always represented how we were supposed to be, you know, right. nice house, country club, brought us to church. Grandma always had swimming lessons and tennis lessons and vacation Bible school. And um. So they represented, you know, yeah. Well, which what I thought yeah, at, at that time was righteous, yes. Pious life that you're supposed to be living. Right on. And my grandpa, and and you just mentioned that you're a Catholic, and the difference between Catholics and Protestants, which I am, is that in Protestants, you decide on your own free will when you get saved, when you accept the Savior, you buy the whole bible jeez right. and when i was little older brother of course did it when he was 12 and um like a lot of people do it i noticed my older brother all sitting with the the kids from his his uh class and they all got saved at the same time and i thought to myself just like the communist thing i'm like well that preacher says that this is you're supposed to be sure absolutely pure faith but why are they doing it all around the same time? Are, are they actually sure when you're 12 years old? Are they doing it because their friends are doing it or because grandma and grandpa did it and because mom and dad did it? I was that kind of asshole that questioned everything from, from the start. So I never did it because I didn't feel like I would be being honest. I thought eventually I would work myself when I got older, you know? So um, um my grandpa... You know, at that time, I had long hair, smoking, kind of a little rebel. Grandpa had a talk with me. A come to Jesus talk, literally. Right. And I gave him the same answer I just gave you, very respectful and and honest. You know, and he was quiet because he couldn't say nothing. And the way it was the way my dad, my grandpa was is, you could tell that they were upset, but they all their emotions were bottled, internalized it. Yeah that's a big theme in my in our family but um the next day my grandpa freaked out on me and it's something involved he accused me of uh, being about the worst person you can be which i wasn't and it was involved another family member and it was kind of a backhanded accusation and and it was stupid and i knew it was based on our conversation before but at that time you know my dad had told me um i mean my dad had this conversation like son you shouldn't be doing this or whatever and i got mad because i was like that's what he thought i was doing you know and um i i I told my dad i can't stay in this house anymore yeah and you know my dad understood i mean the thing my dad my grandpa accused me of was I can't even address it, and it didn't happen. You know, it was stupid, and my dad understood that. But um, I left. and But that's the point in my life where all the things that my friend Jake, you know, had offered to come on, come do this, come get in this kind of trouble. And I always said no. At this point, I said F it. I don't care. It was my Breaking Bad moment, I guess, even though I right. never heard that that right. term. So. By the by I moved to Dallas and the first friend that I met in Dallas, this is a crazy story. You're going to think you're going to think I'm crazy, but I'm going to tell it just how it happened is I was on my way to work. i seen this hot little like like uh, heavy metal, dope, skinny kind of Stevie Nicks type. And I was wearing a Led Zeppelin shirt and she gives me the devil horns like that. And, uh, that was my first friend in Dallas and she was 17. Her name was Sheila. And, uh, that day we had lunch and she's asking me what I'm into. And I was like, you know, I like music, having a good time, sports, whatever. And she's like, no, what are you into? And I'm like, I don't know what you mean. And she says, I'm a witch. And she said, oh, it won't work on you based on my reaction. You know, i that's a world I never acknowledged, whatever. So anyway, her, she had a boyfriend, and they were my first friends in Dallas. And her boyfriend's name was uh, John. What was he? <laughs> he was just a suburban kid that they were, they were hellions, but right. he never said anything. They were hardcore alcoholics. And At uh, 17? Yeah. I mean, they were the kids that I didn't hang around, you know, the freaks in school. Right, right. They were more like that. You know, we were more like the jocks. You were on, right. wearing polo wearing. Yeah. yeah the socias. But, you know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Outsiders. Yeah. I like it. But um one thing this guy told me, you know, he had these friends and in Dallas on the north side of Dallas. There's a big old church it was called the world of faith and um it was a famous televangelist named robert tilton when you know broadcast on tv i think he got caught up in a scandal well him and his alcoholic friends i mean hardcore alcoholics probably in high school they decided to rob a grave, and they broke into this church and perched a skull up in a urinal (laughs) wow oh the, these it's are all bad it's all bad. so um so you know Je, john i think is the name i called him um he had just gotten out of jail for his like third dwi and they were just my friends they and accepted this is the me kid that's like said they're what 17 18 years old yeah he was a year or two older but the the girl sheila was a runaway from tulsa and I got to know her, but I got to be more friends with John because that you know they. I'm not going to be best friends with the guy's girlfriend. Yeah, yeah. But um, one night, one day, they're sitting around, and, you know, we drank a little bit and dropped some acid, maybe. But they're like, "You want to do some speed?" And I'm like, "Okay, like I always do." Right. And they busted out needles, and I'm like, "No, nah, I'm good," you know. They're like, "No, no, this is the best way to do it." You know i'm like okay and so i i'd snorted coke once in high school but next thing you know i'm shooting up meth you know right. and i hear all the addiction shows on youtube talk about horrible addiction people get on opiates and heroin and stuff like that but i mean shooting up meth i did it on the weekends and i went to work oh i didn't become a junkie like right that. but um, that went on for about a year, but a crazy story. And I wasn't high when this happened, wasn't drunk, but John used to like for me to come pick him up and hang out with his boys. He would leave Sheila at home and Sheila didn't like that. She would freak out. And she'd be screaming and yelling and all kinds of stuff. But one particular night I go pick him up and she's real calm sitting in the corner of the room. And the mood's kind of like when a storm hits, you know, that morose, just kind of quiet, but you feel something in the air. Right. She looks at John as we're leaving and says, I won't be responsible for what happens to you if you leave me alone tonight. And we're like, okay, you know, she's She's tripping out. Put a hex on him or... Okay. So we go over to his friend's house and his friend has... A Japanese fighting sword. And John grabs it. and Picks it up. Says check this out dude. And he—it's in a cover. He thinks the cover only opens like this. But it really opens like that. And he sliced his fingers. Bad. Like blood's everywhere. So I'm freaking out. You know I take him to his mom's house. His mom takes him to the ER. I call him a couple days later. And. He's like, come check this shit out, dude. So I go over to his house and he's got a cast from here to here. And they had like rubber bands connected to the cast. And they had drilled holes in his fingernails with strings tied to the rubber bands because they had to reattach all his tendons oh, so that, that that held it in place. But the crazy thing about this was the scars on his fingers were three lightning bolt S's. And that was the initials of his girlfriend. <laughs>
1: it happened. Okay, say so. I was gonna say what. So what happened when he healed? He was fine. Yeah, he was fine, and couldn't play the guitar anymore. No more piano. No. <laughs> I,
0: yeah, I don't. Maybe he had a superpower. So you never know, but. An interesting story about this girl is when she moved to uh, Dallas, her first boyfriend was in a band. He had started a band. The name of this band is was called the New Bohemians. Okay. They were playing playing one night at a club in Deep Elm, which is a section of Dallas where it's cool, it was a party section of Dallas. And a girl joined them on stage on a dare from from their friends. And this girl's name was Edie Burkell. Edie okay. Burkell did no Bohemians. Right. They they popped off with an album. You know, remember the song, I'm not aware of too many things. I know what I know if you know what I right. mean. And shoved me in the shallow water. Sheila was, was dating the guitar player. The, yeah, Sheila's boyfriend, they all lived in a house in a section of Dallas on Greenville Avenue. It's kind of an artistic section. Well, Edie kicked Sheila out of their house because Edie said she's practicing black magic on people she just couldn't Sheila just couldn't couldn't get right now couldn't do the right thing if and that you you have I was raised in within the container of reason in reality that stuff did not happen but when you witness stuff like that makes you recalculate what whatever There's
1: some scars it's fine
0: ah. Uh, Oh, I I can tell you all kinds of stories now. I get into Native American stuff, and they acknowledge those worlds as being real, right? Even your own world you just mentioned has exorcisms, right? I, I, there's all kinds of craziness going on. Do 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 do. Yeah. Um. Anyway, yeah, yeah, it's fine. That is a world beyond real and reason, and a lot of people don't care to have no reason to venture out from there. That's all I can say, but. Um, on that album, you know, the album, that the new Bohemians came out with shooting rubber bands at the stars. There's a song called little miss S you read the lyrics to it. I'm pretty sure it's about this girl that
2: who what happened to
0: her. Um, her and her and Jeff had a, you know, she was, they, they broke up. She went back home. I, I really don't know. I hope she's all right. Right. Um, that's all i can say what's up sheila <laughs> hope i'm not breaking the uh, rules of fight club here so, so what happened what happened after that um so I, I told you those stories just to tell you the mindset i was in right so my old buddy jay moved to baltimore got married trying to get away from all the bad influence he's on a path to prison um Somehow him and his wife moved back to Oklahoma City. They, you know, they got homesick or whatever. And, of course, being around all the old influences, they didn't last too long. So he got a hold of me, and we I went up there. I think I, I was in college, in a community college, probably during Christmas break or something. And he was splitting up with his, um, with his wife, and uh, him and Danny had hooked back up. They were up to their old games of breaking into houses. So they talked me into breaking into houses with them. So How old are you at this point? 1918. So one weekend, I go out. We drive around all the neighborhoods, rich neighborhoods, of north side of Oklahoma City. And just like you see in the, the movies or whatever, you're looking for newspapers and driveways. And we found a few prospects. Waited till dark, and we'd drive through the same same houses, the houses we remembered, and and slowly we'd open up the mailbox, and if they had mail in their in their mailbox, they're gonna rob them. And uh, this is way Cause beyond cause my because they're, they're assuming that the house is is vacant
1: because they didn't get the mail.
0: Someone's out them. of yeah. They, they got newspapers in their yard. They're getting mail. They're um they're they're robbing the house. That's you know. I mean, security people used to say, "Don't leave if you're if you're going out of town. Pick up your." You had somebody pick up your newspapers. Yeah, wouldn't yeah. happen now because no nobody one, gets a newspaper. Yeah,
1: we don't read you anymore. You put an a, a, dt sign in your front yard, and people
0: just keep on driving. Right? Like, oh, I'd rather go to the next house. Right? Um, but so we spent that night breaking in about three houses. I was just driving, you know, right. and they would be like okay let us off in the alley i was just driving part, you're part of the conspiracy it's like, i know it's like the guy driving the the
1: getaway car and i i you know i know these two guys that are robbing banks how do you know i'm driving the getaway
0: car it wasn't my fault dad <laughs> it was my friend's fault man so um but dude right. you you know they, they i would drop them off in the alley and they'd say come back every 15 minutes man and I, you know i was nervous this is a world i did not but what year in. is this there's no cell phones or pagers or nothing like that
1: right or is there it would have been in the 1988 90s, right? yeah no 89 it, no you guys it don't. was pagers yeah but there's no fucking it's not like you guys had a, a motor no, roll, no a cell phone where
0: you're going yeah yeah yeah, yeah yeah
1: yeah oh no so i was wondering like what do you mean every 15 minutes like
0: yeah and i had to drive back and i mean i'm not I'm not proud of this yeah, yeah you know I just did it and they're very influential about f- from my friends but um we robbed about three houses and right. the funny thing after this happened and we had VCRs and silver and gold and they got a bunch like pillow ca- cases full of change from this one how I mean a thousand dollars worth of spare change that a guy had or something I don't know but um Danny and Jake would have this conversation that I'm sure they've had many times before, where Jake was like, "Okay, we're going to take this money and we're going to invest it, and we're going to rise up. We're going to quit robbing houses." And Danny was we're, like, "We're gonna we're gonna go buy heroin. <laughs> that's that's <laughs> right. Or, yeah, like we're or gonna buy cocaine and right. start we're selling gonna, it. We're gonna. This is our 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 come up. And, wow. Uh, and then." and Dan he was like okay yeah we're just going to do this one time we're going We're so show Kyle a good time right and we go to into the projects the toughest neighborhood of Oklahoma City was called Kerr Village or at least it was to us and right. driving to the projects and the thing about that place is there's only one way in and one way out which kind of adds to the element of danger but my friend had been doing this since high school you know a little 16 year old kid going in, in these places and he told me He's like, you know, these people have the edge on us because, you know, they're from the projects or whatever. And he said, all you have to do is act crazy. Do something crazy in front of a group and you take the edge back. They're scared of crazy white boys. You know, this is the kind of intent. This guy, <laughs> okay. he had nuts, dude. Right. Uh, he had nuts from the time he was young, dude. But um, so we went in there supposedly one time and then that's – that lasted like three or four days of a crack binge. <laughs> and you guys didn't, there was no, you didn't we reinv- didn't do our, there's no, no reinvestment. It, yeah. It reminded me of playing sports. Right. And you know, coaches talking about we're going to take state or whatever, but, um, that happened, nothing, you know, I didn't get busted. Thank God. But, um, I guess I went back, back home to Dallas and it was summer vacation jake had kind of linked up with this other guy and his name i called him aldo in the book right i'd heard about aldo in high school like all the girls chirping through the halls about this great looking dude that they all liked and he was from a different school and he was kind of like a pirate or a conquistador conquering all the suburban girls you know i could have named him fonzie or right. fabio okay and, uh, I'll bet you that Colby doesn't know who either one of those people are.
1: I know Fabio has long hair. It's about I, all like, see, all this <laughs> stuff is dated. Yeah, yeah. no, know, every, no, 40? I understand everything. I I know everything that you know, everything you're saying. But you know, every, I, uh, I every time I I think, oh, that that's you know my generation. I immediately think colby's never seen the outsiders he doesn't know what a greaser is he doesn't know what a soche is he didn't, like there's all these things that i've usually i say something but i was gonna Dude, look, we
0: could educate you look <laughs> on stuff that he has no reason to know <laughs> no i like, got yeah, like, enough the outsiders enough less than zero that's a great movie yeah. um god i can't yeah. um what's the other movie about the vampires um the Lost, Lost Boys. Boys. <laughs> Lost voice. I was a big Jim Morrison fan back in the day, so, um, um where was I at? So Fabio. Aldo, Fabio, Fabio, uh, Fabio, um, Jake had hooked up with this guy Aldo, and to give a backstory on him, another made-up name, but Aldo was uh, his mom was Italian American, and his father was Latino, so you can imagine this guy, you know casanova don juan but aldo had spent time in houston so i guess jake and aldo had combined their superpower superpowers of juvenile delinquency and he jake started doing what he talked about with danny they were going to houston and scoring um ecstasy mdma right and um so they were driving down there one time, and they were drinking or something, and and Aldo rolled the car, and he got busted, and they busted him for a DWI, and they had traces of cocaine or something like that. So Aldo was sitting in the jail, kind of. Thing. I think he was just sitting out his DUI time, and Jake got a hold of me. It was, it was uh, my summer vacation from college. What did I do on my summer vacation? You know. Right. So he's like, dude, I got this new crew, and we're going to Houston, and it's not what I was doing with Dan. It's fun. You gotta come check it out. So I was like, okay, that sounds awesome, man. You know, and uh, so I moved up to back to Oklahoma City, you know, and me and Jake started going down to Houston and scoring ecstasy pills, and we were living with this girl you know very attractive girl and there was all the girls in the scene they would come down to Oklahoma City and I mean they would come down to Houston with us and Houston at that time was just crazy you know it was all these clubs um all these suburban kids and that that vibe you know when you're on x you're you everything is relevant and you're cool and and it's just a spirit of love, energy, man. It's cool. But um, to be down there scoring drugs, it's a, it's, a, it's a poor town. So all the suppliers know people come in from out of town. So when word gets out that there's buyers, you know, they would come to your hotel room and offer you, I got this, this, this for this much, you know, it was kind of cool and it was kind of like underground. And at that time, you know, you're worried about, your future and going to college and what you're supposed to be major, but this was major and then this was different. This was free, you know, it was like F you to all that stuff. So, um, so we started driving to Houston picking up three, four hundred ecstasy pills. And you're bringing them back. What are you doing? Are you selling them yourself or you, yes, have somebody else? Okay, we're selling them, buy them for six dollars a pill, sell them for 25 bucks a pill. And this is at the time. Fashion to set the scene. It's remember the kind of the zoot suits, uh, like Zerbo and Kazi and Z Cavarichi. There, oh, yeah, Z Cavarichi. That was our crew. We all had Z Cavarichis with their baggy pants, and they were filled up with pills. And we were only twenty years old. We weren't even old enough to get into the club, right? But bartender, give them a couple. I mean, we were kind of like the draw, you know, right. and you need free drinks. Yeah. It was living that high life. And, um, so that went on and, you know, eventually, I mean, I remember the girl that we were living at, you know, when we moved in there, I was like, man, are you sure it's okay for me to stay with her? You know? And he's like, oh, she don't mind. You know, it was was a one bedroom apartment and I I don't, it, it was too much, you know? And, but I remember that she had told me that her, her mother was dating or friends with the guy that worked for the sheriff and even back then you know girls talk our business was being told to authorities or whatever right and um but you know we were driving from between Oklahoma City and Houston like once twice a week you know and then eventually we were living in hotels and it was just crazy I mean it's it's a lot of work doing that you know right and um how long did this go on um, it went on my summer vacation basically, but we eventually moved into an apartment and, uh, it was a real high tone, high, a nice apartment, it had two bedrooms, it had a hot tub in the bed in one of the bedrooms. And, uh, it was like less than a mile from the subdivision. We grew up in the far Northwest side of Oklahoma city. But, um, um, our, our landlord was this finance guy that, been barred for doing some shady deals or something. Right. He sat in the leasing office taking bets. He worked for a big bookie all day. But we would pay our rent with pills or later eight balls, you know. It was kind of weird. But, you know, it was club life, all that. It's kind of like a 16-year-old wet dream, you know. Right. Girls' money, Jake and Aldo bought matching – zx10 ninja you know motorcycles they might as well have said had i am a drug dealer tattooed on their foreheads you know they i remember jake used to western union money to houston to make deals i'm like you can't do that you're leaving a trip you know he's like oh fuck it if they if they don't catch it with me on me they can't you know do so yeah that's not true but
1: uh, I hear you I, when
0: you're like, a kid right yeah, yeah. The, the feds they can do right. anything we're all guilty if, right. if the feds want you I hope they're not coming after me after all this dude but um, uh, so out the, of the the profit ecstasy we weren't making that much and um, I had, I had taken a couple thousand dollars out of my college fund you know and right. I, I gave it to Jake and I told him dude I'm not a drug dealer you know I, I just want his money back i was kind of like that idealist it's like man these drugs were meant to teach us you know like a hippie i don't believe in making money off of them you know just pay me my money back. he's like sure okay you know um but uh Aldo had had met a guy at the club and this guy was from a famous basketball family in Oklahoma is all I can say. I believe that he had coached, either him or his brother had coached a team I played junior high basketball uh, against. And I guess he told drugs too or something. But Aldo had gotten him to commit to giving us $3,300 for three ounces of cocaine. So we were switching commodities at that point. Well, they could get a quarter key for forty-three, and forty. A quarter key is eight ounces, and this guy was only wanting three ounces. So for a thousand dollars, they got five ounces of cocaine, pretty right. much. So we we were driving down to Houston. This guy has a mistress, this beautiful blonde lady. She was like a model like a local swimsuit model or whatever and probably in her 30s she kind of res- resembled um melanie griff griffin griffith remember the act, the blonde-haired actress um oh yeah yeah but she's beautiful and uh where do we drive down to, to houston we pick her up and as we're driving down you know jake gives her like a couple hits of ecstasy and we're all rolling you know and she'd never done it before and we're having a good old time and she looks at him and she's like i can't believe i'm going down to make a major drug deal with you because you look like you're 16 years old and your friend back there looks like he's about 14 she points at me so uh, it's that was crazy but um we went down to houston they scored the coke whatever and it was uh ether cut fish scale what people talk about the most preferred type of cocaine and um we dropped her off at the airport she had these baggy pants on and she straps it all to her thighs and all that stuff and the way she goes and from that point yeah the ecstasy no one gets strung out on it you know right it's it, it, it was okay but the cocaine's a little bit more serious but most people are the stuff they were getting is straight off the brick pure most people cut it right they didn't cut it, you know, we just sold it, but sold at a very high price. So, um, from that point it things got weird, you know, yeah. I didn't, I, I didn't want to be there, but I just wanted to get my money back, which they could have paid me at any time, but they right. didn't. So, um, um, but there was a time we went down to Houston and, um, we used to do a lot of acid. We didn't do cocaine. It, I, I didn't like it. I didn't like the way it feels. It, right. Like nothing sucks more than if you've ever been in a room full of cokeheads talking. It's they just talk, 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 and they don't hear you at all. You know. But, um, so me and Jake are on our way on a dope run to Houston. Okay. We have just enough money to re up. Right. You know, a little for traveling as usual we drop some acid tripping balls way down there and we we're going to turn and burn we we're going to make the deal turn come around turn back i tell him dude i gotta get some sleep i can't turn around and drive if you want me to drive I, i'm gonna get a hotel and he's like yeah cool and i see a hotel on the north side of houston and it's 25 dollars a room i'm it's like nice hotel it's well, a bargain and it, and it was daylight so it looks good and we pull in there, and I remember this this black dude sitting there asking me if I need anything. It should have been a giveaway, and I'm like, no, we're straight, appreciate it, whatever. But So Jake goes to make the deal, and I'm at this hotel, and day turns into night, and I'm hearing gunshots and people doom, doom, banging on doors and screaming, and I'm like, oh my God. And uh, I start looking out the window, and there's the same car circling the parking lot. And I'm like, man, what's going on here? And he gets back. And I'm like, telling him, we need to get out of here. This place is hot. And he's like, man, you're always the paranoid one. It's cool. You're We're, tripping. Right? right. And he takes off the picture from the wall. And we line up the biggest lines of coke you've ever seen. Right. So it's probably good in, in that situation. Perfect. Probably. Yeah, it was, a, it was a good move. So- he ends up on the floor looking out the window, seeing the same cars. Right. I'm over the bathroom with this big old bag of coke, ready to flush it down for like six hours. Finally, I can't take it. I'm out of cigarettes. So I'm like, dude, I think we're tweaking. I'm gonna go get a pack of cigarettes. I'm gonna shove this shit down my pants. And if nothing happens, we're getting out of here. Because like, okay. cops will never look in your pants. <laughs> I mean, I, I figured it was, a, it was a suicide mission. Either I'd make it or I wouldn't. Right. Of course, nothing happened. So I pick him up. He's like, get out of here. We're right on the intersection of I-45 and 610, if you're familiar with Houston. So I jump. I, I'm like, man, I need the $5 I left at the, at the, for the key deposit. We need that to get home. And he's like, no, no. So I stop in, and I get my $5 as I'm walking out there's a car that we'd seen circling and the guy gets out and points at me. It's like, there they are. And we're like, Oh shit. I jump in the car and we haul ass. And who, who were they? What, what man, I, we don't know. I think they were like managers or like pimps or dealers. Cause this hotel was in the hood. So, you know, it was action goes on. Right, it was a hooker hotel or whatever. Right. A crack hotel. So we, I mean, we were just out of place. Yeah. We didn't look, look right but um as we're driving up i-45 we keep seeing these same cars that we thought were circling the hotel and then they'd pass us and then they'd be pulled over on the service road so we're like freaking out and i'm asking him if we want to keep going up to oklahoma and commit a federal crime or get busted in texas and it's goes to texas it. time and we're right by huntsville which is the the headquarters for the texas prison system there's all kinds of prisons right from the highway and he's got this towel we got this towel in the car and he puts this big bag a, of coke in in the towel He chucks it out the window it's our whole net worth it's like chunking 10 grand out the window of your car and as soon as he throws it out he throws it out at a sign we quit seeing all the cars and all, they all disappear. <laughs> and <laughs> so we call our partner up, to, you know, when we tell him what, what happened, he's like, you dumbasses, y'all are tweaking out.
1: But, um, you know many t- stories I've heard about guys flushing, uh, half a key down a fucking toilet. Like, <laughs> I mean, left, this is like a, a common thing. I heard these guys, they, they get fucked up and then they get freaked out and they see like the same car twice. And in their mind, they're fucking they're they're coming at the at the room with battering rams like in their mind the cops are pulling up and everything and really no it's just some guy driving drove by twice it's actually two different cars
0: you know <laughs> it's a strange thing the mind on drugs you know don't get high on your own supply i guess but um we we ended up calling our buddy and we sober up by the time we get to Dallas and we pull up to the sign and oh you found a little baby yeah (laughs) i thought you was gone no i was waiting for cops to be, be be waiting on us or nothing but um i mean we had a lot of scares like that um you know and i had little omens like that a kid danny's little brother david sat down with me one day at our apartment and he urged me he's like dude these dudes are hot they don't hide what they're doing. The cops know what they're doing. You don't belong here. You need to leave like now, you know. And he sat down for like two hours trying to trying to convince me. He said, just get out of here. You can go stay with my house, with my mom if you want, you know. And right. that meant a lot to me because uh, he passed away not too long after that. So so respect to uh, David or whatever. But I didn't listen. But the, the lady that um, went down to it with us, score the the mistress lady, the diva lady, right? She uh, she they she knew people, and she told me to get the heck away from these guys because you know they're on the radar, cops know what they're doing, blah blah blah. So um, and we even had a guy that was staying in an apartment and tell us that one night a guy in a suit was rolling around the, the parking lot writing down license plate numbers and he even came up to our apartment was looking inside so i have no idea what that was all about but anyway um you know it's a lot of work driving to houston once or twice a week right. and running an organization and doing all that one of the cool things about it is when counting the money when you're you know part the whole floor is covered in 20s hundreds or whatever one night um, Jake tells me he's going to um wipe his ass with a hundred dollar bill because he always wanted to do that, and he did and flushed it down the toilet. <laughs> Stupid, but uh, we we met this guy, we, it was the night of the Spice Sp- Tyson, Mike Tyson Spinks fight in 1989. We got a room, a hundred dollar room at the Marriott or something like that, just to watch the fight on the pay per view, and we're tripping on acid as usual. and. Jake tells me this guy's coming over to make a deal. And this guy always bought like two ounces of Coke. He's like, this guy's kind of serious. And he's a big old boy, all steroided out. You know, he kind of creeps me out a little bit. But so anyway, the guy came over and I met him. And, you know, he was real serious, all about business. And he was intimidating because he's so big. But he turned out to be a really good dude. And uh, I'll call him Steve for the, for the purpose of the show. So, you know, he was buying buying a couple ounces for some people that own a nightclub or something like that so after that we decided to send down a minion to go down because we were tired of doing all the legwork and the minion claims he got ripped off of all the money so all that money that we had gone right you know we gave up our apartment we had to move back in with uh with jake's dad you know they his mom and dad had divorced but um the guy steve turned out to be a good guy he had a body shop and he was giving us work trying to just get us back on our feet and he told us these guys that he knew wanted us to go down to houston and buy half a kilo of cocaine with counterfeit 20s they had printed up a bunch of counterfeit 20s and would okay. you do that? I mean, uh, no. I,
1: I. It's. It's just that the counterfeit, the counterfeit money in, in in you know like the drug industry or, um, that happens. Like I, I wrote a book about a guy that same thing. He he. Somebody went to buy pills from him or something. He, uh uh-huh. He bought pills and the guy gave him the money and was trying to get out of the car. He's like, whoa, 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 wait a minute. He was counting the money. He said, I counted the money, and he said the money was there. He said, but it felt weird. Like, he's like, you know, you, he said, you don't realize that you can feel it, you know? And he said, so I counted it. And if you don't he's, if you don't have the right paper, like it doesn't feel right. Like that's a, obviously the paper is a big thing, but he counted. He was like, something's wrong. So He turned on the light. And he's looking at, it, he's like, but it looks good, but I could feel like something was off on the money. The guy took the guy immediately jumped out of the car and ran <laughs> and so he they, he gets out and runs after him. And they're like, and the only reason he chased after him is that the guy had a bottle of um, Oxys with his name on it. He's like, so I don't give a shit about the the money. I don't care about the pills. I care that he's got my prescription bottle uh-huh. with my name on it. He's like, and that, that could come back to me. He's like, he's buying a few. He's buying $400 worth of fucking pills. He's like, so I don't give a shit. Because he was making so much money. Doing doctor's. He shopping.
0: just didn't want it all. Right. He's like, I just don't
1: want my fucking my bottle out there. So that's why he chases them all the way down an alley. They get into a fight. He's like, finally, he gets the bottle back. And anyway, um, but same thing that. And then Jeff Turner, same thing. I've, I've met guys in prison who would like print it up and they'd mix it in with uh, real money. But yeah, eventually somebody, because it, ha- it does happen a lot, people, they figure
0: it out. This was straight up. I mean, he he was dealing with colombians you know and it it, it's not like the movies it's a house right and it's a family but they've got people watching now and these counterfeit 20s were the secret service called them very low quality and right but the texture of them didn't didn't feel feel right right. okay they say you're supposed to put them in a dryer and put stuff in there to kind of rough them i don't know there's a movie called to live and die in la a long time ago of course i told jeff turner about that Great movie. That's White probably the, that is the
1: premiere, right? Like that is the top counterfeiting movie out there. What's the guy's name who plays the counterfeiter? Guy, you know, real skinny. He
0: William Defoe.
1: The, I great, love him. Yeah, great, yeah, he's great. great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was that's a great movie. That's one of those few movies I've ever watched where at the end of the movie I didn't see it coming. You know, it's called To Live and Die in L.A. Great movie. Like you watch the whole movie. And then the ending, when it comes out the ending hits, you're just like, I'm not I'm not gonna say it, but I mean you're just like, Whoa. See, like, I don't
0: I don't remember the ending. It's been oh, so it long. So
1: I was shocked. I remember the song. It's a great oh, it's a great movie. And, and they have a great counterfeiting scene. Like the opening yeah, yeah, scene yeah. of that movie where he's actually making the, the counterfeit money is phenomenal. It's um, like he's
0: an artist. Our, I, I, find that most stories aren't like the movies where everything is precise and military precision. It's, no, it's no. idiots that fall into things. No. You know, that's yeah. our story. We're, I mean, it, I, it's like,
1: it's like a, the guy we we interviewed a guy uh, a detective who was did like twenty something years in the um uh, auto theft for auto theft like uh-huh. a detective, and you know to me all the movies I've ever seen on auto theft corn almost seconds. yeah they almost seem like it's sexy. The truth is, it's usually just junkies breaking into breaking into cars and stealing right. them, and you know, and it's haphazard, and they get caught, and they're in and out of jail, and it's just, you know, like there's that's, no like true professionals that have it down pat.
0: To me, that's real life versus the delusion. Yeah, yeah. yeah, but um, um, so these guys, I wasn't dealing with the guy, but Chase, like, no fucking way, dude, I'm not. I mean, I'm, this isn't slipping a few 20s into a lot of real right, money. This is that, all... uh, yeah, he's like, no, I'm not going to do that. And I feel like ripping off Colombians, although I'm sure they're good people, <laughs> it doesn't
1: sound like a good idea.
0: No. It seems like it could go bad. Yeah, I've heard about them cutting your tongue out and yeah. doing other thing, crazy things. But um, right on, right on. So, but the, they gave this in between guy, this guy, Steve. Ten thousand dollars for us to kind of they gave look at.
1: Pa- give him some paper. Yeah,
0: yeah and <laughs> they told him whatever you just look. This is for looking, you know, to see if y'all want to do this deal. Don't be spending it. They told him not to even touch it. Of course, badass Jay, he's taking it and taking girls out to movies and spending it. Just exactly what they told him not to do. Right. So at this time, it's getting to be. My son, I miss summer, the the fall classes, because I'm still stuck here. I'm wanting to get my money back. Right. I'm scared to tell my dad what I'd done. Right. But um, I had crashed my car, so the only transportation we had was his motorcycle, his crotch rocket, so I'm riding around, bitch, on that, and it's getting cold. But um, we're riding on that, and he gets pulled over by – That's in the Oklahoma police, and they arrest him for a ticket, a warrant, a bench warrant. So I'm freaking out because I know he's got all this money on him. and So I get the bike back to Steve's, and Steve's like, oh, shit, you know, and we're about to go to the police station, and we see him, Jake, strolling down the road. like He's like, they can't hold me down, you know. (laughs) We're like, what "What happened? (laughs) And he's like, "Um, well, you know, when they bust you— they take all your possessions and they've seen all this money and the jailer dude's like son you got enough money to to bond yourself out so this dumbass bonded himself out with counterfeit money <laughs> so you know we're not that's not going to be yeah, that's, yeah <laughs> that's,
1: that's going to catch up with you real quick so <laughs> now you're just waiting for the so you just bonded he just bonded
0: out on a minor charge on a traffic warrant yeah and got himself a major charge the next day, the Secret Service leaves a card on on at his house, and it says, "You need to contact me immediately, and bring your friend Kyle." I guess they knew that I was with them. <laughs> so this how'd is you, how'd you feel when you saw your name?
1: Did the was, heat shoot up through your body.
0: <laughs> it, oh my god! Yeah, Sorry. but I knew I hadn't. You know, I hadn't done anything. Jake does what he does I'm best. I'm just driving the car. He just <laughs> It's yeah. <laughs> but uh Jake, I mean of, of all the stuff we did, I mean if they were either caught you got caught with drugs, that's more that's bigger than counterfeiting by a long shot right. I think. But anyway, um Jake's like, okay, he does what he does best. You know, he starts scamming, making up a story. He's like, okay, I'm going to say that I was at a bar, and a guy came to me and asked me for change, and he's like, you're going to verify that. And I'm like, no, I don't want to do that. They, are <laughs> not lying to an FBI agent. They know let's, you know. let's
1: keep adding on to this problem. And he asked me for change. I had a, a, a million-dollar bill, and, and he— and he gave me change using these counterfeit hundreds. The fuck? Who's making change for giving you $10,000 in counterfeit money? What kind of change was he making? Right. For what? What bill? I had a $10,000 bill? Like, what am I, a bank? I don't think they would have bought it, huh? No, I don't think they would have bought anything. Across the I don't think if it was making change for a fucking 20, they were going to buy it.
0: So right now, like if you were playing, if we were writing a movie script or we were playing a virtual reality video game, and me, I had three options, you know? I could either. The first option would be probably go home and get away from the scene and not have any issues. Right. Or the second option would be lie to the secret service for my friend or the third option would be the option that we picked which would we all got together and we didn't know what to do and at one point we were thinking about one of us go to like kansas city and another go to another town and just start spending buying dollar things or whatever i got the idea for i don't know why but i said let's go down to six flags amusement park in dallas they'll they'll never know what counterfeit money is the secret service doesn't give their employees a course on how to pick it up which we found out they did and it's fenced in (laughs) (laughs) i mean and they they don't have their own internal security i did i mean you know that show the world's stupidest criminals and we watch it and in hindsight you know you can laugh at people but when you get caught up and you're not thinking straight, you know that's all I can say, man. Right. Uh, sorry, but um, so we all not only does the, Steve decide to go with us, he gets his business partner, which they own a body shop, this guy named Roger, and Steve's wife decides to come with us, and they have three kids, <laughs> yes. and this 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 mission that's doomed to fail from the start i mean even if we got away with it they already had these serial numbers and you know it was to so, to, to the cops it had to be be comical but yeah. uh so we drive all drive to six flags this awesome crew of criminals which six flags one in arlington texas okay. dallas area so i guess subconsciously i was getting closer to home one way or the other but um um, so we get a whole, We get a hotel room that night, and next morning off we go. And I'm the most proactive one there. I mean, we all had two thousand dollars to spend. There's five of us, that's ten grand. But I'm doing it, man. I'm buying shit. You know? So, are you supposed to be trying to get change or just spend it? I'm buying like a little keychain or a trinket. Cha-
1: okay, so you give them a twenty for a two dollar item, you get eighteen dollars back.
0: Right. Right. And. I'm doing it, man. I'm there to do it. And there's a, you know, the basketball hoop game where you shoot to get stuffed animals? Well, I did that one a couple times because I always played basketball. I thought it was pretty good. And those games are rigged, by the way. But um, uh, I didn't win the prize. (laughs) And that guy picked it up. The counterfeit? Yeah. And uh, we started noticing security following us around. And this is another kind of funny thing is I was wearing my favorite shirt, which kind of explains my attitude and what I was doing there at that time. It was uh, the, it, it was Sid Vicious, the basis, the late basis for the uh, punk rock band, the Sex Pistols. And on the front it said, undermine their pompous authority, reject their moral standards, make anarchy and chaos – your trademarks, blah, 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 okay? And it all had, on the big black in the back, it read Sid, S-I-D. So I can imagine the security people talking, yeah, it's Sid, you know? I'm I'm like wearing a jersey identifying myself, but we got in line for a a roller coaster called the Shockwave. And, you know, you wait in line, it's kind of like, you know, you kind of forget what's going on, but there was a guy in front of us as we're waiting in line for about an hour, and he's kind of looking at us funny. And we get on, and we ride the roller coaster. And we pull up to the little boarding station, and the guy that had been sitting in front of us in line all the time was like undercover Six Flags security, and he's got two local cops, and they point us all out, and they don't raise the bar, and they take us out and frisk us, and they're pulling out all this money, and it was... Crazy, and they handcuff us and take us through the jeering, laughing crowd. You know, and all my friends were <laughs> were had their heads down, but I was like, "Fuck y'all!" You know, y'all. Are... Did they get every single person? Yep. Even the kids? No, the kids weren't with us at the time. They just had kids, which oh, okay, okay. Sorry about that. Yeah, yeah.
1: I thought you guys were dragging around three little kids.
0: We could have got them to spend the money, but Daddy, I, was... I don't want to spend the kind of money. <laughs> so, um. I remember we're sitting in Six Flags Security office and we're just giving each other shit grant, you know, fuck. And they took our information and there's a lady cop. And I remember, I guess whenever you run my ad, my license, it pops up who my dad was. And she's like, did you know your dad's an FBI agent? Yeah. yeah, I mean, I I know he used to leave at nine in the morning. I don't know where he (laughs) went. But, um, and I remember that Jake had a, a bag of weed and it's common now. It's, you know, but we called it hydro. It's real expensive weed, hydroponic weed. Right. But he had a bag of weed in his pants and he flushed it down the toilet at in the office. But finally, we knew the guys in suits were coming and in, in the Secret Service and they take us and take us to Fort Worth downtown to the Secret Service office. And it's late at night. I'm in this dude's office and it felt exactly like that uncomfortable feeling i had with my dad was trying to make conversation i'm asking him about the football game and who won this game you know and it was stupid but uh he sat me down and like what's up son and at this time i had no experience dealing with police so i didn't know you're not supposed to 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 talk or whatever so did you tell him i'll Jake's fucking
1: got a bunch of money he's been spending (laughs) all over this place. I don't know. You guys need to talk to him. I did better. You better hope they don't talk to me. You better hope they talk to you before they talk to me because you have some fucking problems. (laughs) I'll tell you right now, I'm not going to fucking jail. Well, counterfeit, that's a pretty cool charge. I've only met three people in federal prison who had counterfeiting charges, by
0: the way. And that's and I met a ton of people like it's. I looked up. You know, they told me someone was trying to scare me, and they said that the max penalty is twenty years, and that I they had me for seven, and they could stack them. All. They're not going to stack them. I, the yeah. average penalty for counterfeiting is eighteen months. I, I was just going to say,
1: I uh, typically, you t- typically, what these guys will get if they just plead guilty is like you. You're saying eighteen months is like probably the average that people do, but it's like three years. Right. Like, I literally knew a guy who been caught for counterfeiting through this. I met him on his third bid huh, and he, he got, got seven, done. he got seven years and they caught him with a couple hundred thousand dollars. Cause he knew. Yeah. And he, he used to say, if you're going to get out and commit another crime, make it counterfeiting. He said, it's got the best. It, it, yeah. For, for the amount of money you can make in it. The if risk it, reward, the risk reward is huge. And this guy been in, he, he would get out. He's like, I'll just, I just fucking do it. I'll do it for, Hundreds of thousand of dollars when I get caught, I plead guilty. They drop it down to one, K, one count. You get one count plus your criminal history. He started off the first time, he got like three years, kind of like probation. Uh huh. Then he got like six years. So you're only doing 85% of that. Then he ended up with, I think, eight or nine years. He did get eight or nine years the second time, like the third time he got eight or nine years. But still, he was like, listen, for the amount of fucking money, he was, especially if you know you're going in. If you know they're gonna, it's gonna catch up with you. Yeah. And you put away money. He goes, just worth it?"
0: I was like, "God, this fucking guy. He's nuts." <laughs> That's fifteen years. I mean, I hope he got a lot of stuff with that. There's, you know, there
1: the, are certain, and you know, you've, I'm sure you've met these guys. There are some guys that are just, you know, they're just not gonna, you know, you call them, you know, can't get right. You're right. And like they're just not going to, they're going to be criminals their entire life. They're gonna die a criminal. They're uh, they've accepted it. This is what they want to do with their life. That's it. Like
2: you
0: know, it's a self image thing. It's yeah. all, but, I mean, all they, the energy they spend on figuring out how to circumvent the law. They could have. Yeah.
1: But this guy apparently he had listen. He had tons of commissary. Had plenty of money out there. Had like they didn't get him. Like he he knew the whole time he was doing it. I'm When I get caught you know everything's in my mom's name my this person's name that person's like he was setting it up to go to fucking jail okay. the whole time that's what i was he wondering knew.
0: He, yeah you uh, know okay. he knew he okay. knew
1: and he was like when i was like well, what do you do when you get out he said well, what am i gonna do when i get out i'm like fucking what do you mean <laughs> well you know what i do you know, wow. same thing i do i'm gonna do what i do and i was just like fuck are you nuts he was like in his late thirties, too. I was like, "You're fucking getting getting up there." He's, "I'm in my fucking thirties. I'm getting down in a couple of years." He said, "I got another bit in me." I was
0: like, "Oh my god!"
1: He was, he was actually, unfortunately, he was actually a pretty, really a cool guy. Not because of that; he was just a cool guy, you know. Gotcha. It's very, it's upsetting too because you know. He's so a, he
0: doesn't need any money on his books or anything.
1: No, no, that's he, that's you know, he was just one of those guys. Like, if I had thought I was going to get caught and away money the whole time but I was just arrogant enough to think they're not going to catch me I'm too sharp I'm too smart for them so I didn't put any money away so I didn't think about all I was like this guy was smart smart enough to know oh no they'll catch you eventually
0: <laughs> I was like Jesus like he was bright Um, my uncle told me that similar the be- one of the best crimes risk reward is being a bookie I mean I don't know how many bookies you ran across and I and know. i don't think i ever
1: but i wouldn't even know what that charge would be what would that charge be i don't know i don't know i think it'd pro- I'd probably be mostly like a state charge or something right or maybe tax evasion
0: or something like that but uh i've heard that having like a, a blackjack table if you, you get if they caught you with a blackjack table that's a federal charge or i don't, I don't know I don't. but um uh so i'm sitting in this guy's Office and he writes out a statement basically saying, "Yeah, I knowingly and willingly passed and possessed fake, bogus U.S. notes, and I signed it." Right. And um, I did I throw my friend under the bus I, at towards the end? I didn't offer it. They they came to me and they said, "Did your buddy know that money that he bought it?" And I was like, "Yeah." Did he? <laughs> I mean how you know but does a Pope wear a funny hat? But of um, um so then it's like three in the morning and they're taking us to some federal lockup in a sheriff's in Johnson County, Texas and I never been to jail before. I didn't know what was going on. So when well, they pull us into jail and they give us our jumpsuit things or whatever and but no one searched us or anything like I mean we Jake could have kept that weed on him, and you know, we could, i could have brought a gun in there for all I know. But I remember walking back through that corridor, and we used to have a saying that Danny used to say because you know he'd been to jail before. They talk about sweet lady with the big twenties going to be your celly, you know, like whatever. And and I was like, man, what's going to happen if they walk me and Jake together? I'm like, oh, that's cool. He'll be here. But they put him in one pod and me in the other. And as soon as I walked in, I heard a guy from the back, you know, say, all right, another white guy, <laughs> you know. And it turns out me and him were the only white guys in there, but it, it wasn't bad at all, you know. Right. It, it was Nothing happened. I remember um, Jake got a hold of me because you could see the window. There was glass right there. And he's banging on the window. He's like, it's, it's Sunday. Meet me in church. And so we signed up for church and we right. went and, you know and i have to say that the the protestant churches the dry Protestant churches i've always attended this had a lot more spirit in it man the guys were really into it and they were praying you know they had a lot to pray for i guess but um you know we were talking about they brought in steve and uh roger and but they came in and got steve like early morning cuz he was cooperating you know right. and they flew him back to Oklahoma City they went to a shop and set up all the cameras and had agents there and he called the people and said, "Hey, we got rid of that money. We want some more." He's the one who knew the people. Right.
1: He's the one that brought them in. So he was really the connection to them, not you guys. Right. You couldn't go and say, "I'll get call the guy. I'll do this." You're no, no. You didn't know. I mean, right. I,
0: I, I benefited from someone cooperating, but I don't. But whatever. Right. I mean, I
1: don't. It doesn't. So he set the. So they came in, put cameras throughout his shop, and
0: yeah, they got the guy. And this, the guy was. The printer and they caught 3.4 million dollars in 20s and the plates and it was the front page of the paper you know and uh it's quite different from when i used to look at my high school basketball scores and see my name in the paper (laughs) but um uh i remember my mom and dad came to visit me and that wasn't fun you know my dad was cool but my mom was crying. I, I'm sure your dad knew this was coming.
1: Your dad probably was like. Oh. I don't
0: think he knew this much. Was Felt like I was going to be visiting you in jail at some point. My, you know what? My my basketball coach, the last words he said to me was, be careful, your phones might be tapped. <laughs> so that was kind of like an Ides of March thing. <laughs> I Man, I never, I don't know. But, you, you didn't think you were eventually going to end up getting arrested? I mean, not really. I, yeah, who? How do you know? You I, know? I, I know. I understand. I mean, I I got good grades in school and <laughs> was in college. And-
1: <laughs> you fucking you you're transporting drugs up between the <laughs> states and throwing shit out and thinks cops are following you. It's going bad. It's
0: not going good.
1: Um. So so what happened? Like, what did you end up? Did you end up? Did you get bonded out? I mean, did you?
0: Oh, okay. so they they take us to. This is a funny story. They take us to the match to Fort Worth Federal Courthouse. And right. I had my Sid Vicious shirt on that said undermine their pompous." blah blah blah. And I think one of the jailers said, You don't want that to be idea. wearing that shirt. And um so I, I, I borrowed a shirt from Roger, and it was a tequila, a worm with the tequila a tequila bottle and a worm or something like that. But um the the funny thing about that is you know they took us into that holding cell and it reminded me of these old cells that when i used to go visit my dad in ohio you know them them official looking federal courthouse with granite type walls or floors and um but they they called me in to sit down with the clerk and she's asking me all these questions i guess it's a a pre-trial report or something like that a bond report and she's asking me well what who you will be living with what are the occupations of who you'll be living with and i tell him about my dad you know what he does and she's like wow i don't hear that too often you know but then jake goes in there and does the same and jake tells me that as he's sitting in his clerk's office the magistrate leans his head into the uh, the door and says um what do you think stacy what are our counterfeiters going to be flight risk and She's like, well, this one here, his father runs all the prisons in Oklahoma and his buddy in the cell, his dad's an FBI agent, so I think we're pretty safe with these right. two. But um, I remember the cell, my dad called me into one of them rooms like, where you talk to your lawyer, Yeah, and that's when he's letting me, like, what the, f- what were you doing, blah, blah, you know? I'm like, sorry, or whatever, getting defensive. But um, I think he told him to leave me in that room because you couldn't, you can't open the door for yeah. us. And that's when I felt the whole thing of being locked up, kid me. And I'm like, Oh shit. Yeah, it's going to be a lot of locked doors in the future. Yeah. And it's, but when and the whole thing, Matt is, I was more worried about facing my dad. than Yeah. Uh, that's, I mean, I don't know if that's respect or fear or, you know, or a combination of both. But, um, and I remember in the cell, there was this old looking white convict dude. Um, and then there was this Nigerian dude. They arrested him for being at the airport and he had like $10,000 cash. He was taken out of the country. And I didn't know that was a crime, you know, I but I found out it was. But Jake's rapping easy E lyrics loud <laughs> wow, so everyone could hear. And I, I don't know, I thought that was surreal, but they pull us into the courtroom and um, the magistrate lets, uh, lets us all out on a PR bond. Okay. And I'm sure that has to do with the cooperation blah 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 yeah. but the only funny thing about all that was the uh, the guy Roger was this good old Oklahoma boy and he has a what do they call it now politically correct he has a speech impediment right so they the magistrate doing us right asks us if we have any questions and this guy Roger raises his hand and says your your, your honor if if i go to pr- prison can, can I get my teeth fixed? <laughs> and I'm just like, why are you saying that? I don't anyway, we got out. And that's when my dad's taking me back home where I should have gone before all this happened and say goodbye to my, my counterfeiting crew. Career. Yeah. yeah. And um, uh, I was... I was, uh, they put me on pre, I had to report to a pretrial officer and whatever, that was fine. Uh, Jake had a a girl pretrial officer and Jake was like, man, I think she likes me. I'm going to get in her pants. (laughs) And uh, anyway, we had, we were waiting, playing the waiting game. I remember too, my dad had a a lawyer friend they played college football with and he was a personal injury lawyer. But then the very next day when I got out, they had set up a meeting with these these you know crime lawyers, you know, these high def- high price defense lawyers, and we all met at a Denny's. And on the way there, I was riding with the lawyer guy, my dad's friend, and we he had the national news on back when you know when the AM stations would run the loops, and our case was on there. I was like, that's kinda
1: I was, kind of, <laughs> <laughs> I was that's sure weird. your dad
0: was like, Hey. Can you, I mean, I imagine that, what he was it. embarrassed, you know, he tells me, you know, he got a call in the middle of the night from his supervisor, you know, it was, but, um, um, so these, we're sitting at a Denny's, my dad's there and the, the lawyer friend, these two criminal defense, self-important guys, mm-hmm. and they're wanting to hear this big crime caper, and I'm not going to say nothing with my dad sitting right there, and I mean, I came out as a adult, you know, which probably isn't that hard for me I, they didn't want any part of this case they're like man this ain't yeah, yeah this is this is low ball he's not even really looking at yeah. any time so um my it, my um my dad's buddy ended up handling it and he charged me like 500 bucks and i had to pay restitution
1: <laughs> nothing to, right for uh, a criminal for a criminal fucking defense uh, for a, a federal case
0: that's yeah that, um so um but we had to wait you know it was all up to the prosecutor what 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 we had, I think I waited like six months or a year and probably about six months. And he called us in there and he said there was four of us. One of us was not included in on this deal. And you can guess which one it was, but, uh, you know, he let us off on something called a pretrial diversion where you agree to stay out of trouble for a year. Right. And it's, I mean, not, you don't even have to put it on applications or anything like that. So that's what happened to me. um, After that, I get a job at Little Caesars Pizza and I'm riding my BMX bike to community college trying to do the right thing. But my buddy Jake, he's back in the mix, you know. And uh, he's starting to to get back in the drug game. And I heard a story through the grapevine about how he had fronted some drugs to this girl. And this girl wasn't paying him back. And she he was going to leave town. So he arranged for this girl to be at another friend's house. He was, he was having a relationship with this girl's friend. And he was going to rob her. He had recruited this guy to rob her. So they called the girl over to the apartment complex one night. Jake and the robber are waiting around the corner. The guy's not even supposed to have a gun. So the guy... Goes around, robs her. He has a gun. She tries to fight, fight back. You is know, Jake she, with her? No, oh. Jake's okay. height. You know, Jake's right, not yeah, yeah. there. Jake's like, oh, there, there she is. And Let's she see. went out. She went out with fighting. You know, she didn't. She didn't punk out. And he, the, the the robber guy, hit her over the head, and the gun went off and killed her. And her name was Cheryl. Respect to her family. I I didn't know her, but um, so. Jake gets there's about four or five people involved in this conspiracy. And he's he's like, Has none of us ever talked? Oh, that's not possible. Right. We can get away, you know, and uh they buried they threw the gun in the lake or something like that. And he I heard that like people did talk, like not those five people, but people getting in trouble for other stuff. The cops knew they just couldn't piece it all together. They never made a case about it, but Jake just keeps on going. And I remember he was he was running a book. You know, he was he was being a bookie uh for a while, which in Oklahoma that lasts for football season and basketball season. But um eventually he got back into the drug game. Right. And him and Aldo built it up and built it up and they grew. And uh he was getting the cops knew there was a there was a local vice cop, I think is what they called his drug cop on his tail. And they, they busted in his room one time and he didn't have drugs on him, but they took like 50 grand from him or something like that. Um, the kid David, our good friend, Danny's little brother ended up OD on Coke, which, which sucks, you know, respect to him and his family. Um, but Jake knew, they were after him, and it turned into this game of cops and robbers, you know. And at this point, he was he was up to full keys. He was flipping keys, and it was kind of like a multi level marketing thing where he would come into town. He knew he was being watched, so he would he had he would he had six people under him, six runners, whatever you want to call it. Right. So he would all give them six ounces. They would give him back six grand, a grand an out. So he would turn twenty into. 36 and um the paper said that he was doing several kilograms a month and in oklahoma city is a it's a small big city right so when you get a name for yourself you know you the re, your reputation it, it, people talk you know right cops Thieves, whatever, you know. They, they knew. then They didn't hide their stuff at all. Everyone knew what they were doing. They high-rolled it. They might as well have had tattoos that say, I sell drugs, you know. Right. But um, um, along this time, when Jake knew that he was being watched, he didn't keep the stuff on him, but there was a spot we used to hang out out in the country, and he would bury his stuff there. And his six people that sold for him, he would... They would meet him there, and that's where they'd divvy, up, divvy it up. One day, he had stashed a kilo there, and it was gone. So he knew it had to be one of those six people that was under him. So he went to them all, and he said, Look, man, I know you stole my stuff, right? and you need to rob a bank to pay me back. And it worked. The guy that did it was like... You got me. <laughs> yeah. And this guy was oh uh, my god this How'd guy you know. this guy what well, i mean <laughs> i the way i say it, if you met this guy i mean i know you're a master manipulator you you, but y'all i'm sure well you just talked about prison and there's got full of guy i can only imagine all the the jedi mind tricks going on in that place right <laughs> everybody in there's a hustler yeah so it's, it's running con- game yeah so so what um so so this guy, his name is Jamie. He's dead now. I don't, I'm not making up a fake name. And he was known to be the toughest guy on the north side of Oklahoma City. He was just kind of crazy. I think he was a little mentally off. But anyway, the way Jake tells me the story is that one day, you know, he would put the bug in the ear about robbing a bank. So one day him and it's Aldo's little brother, and I'm going to name him Sancho in this story. It's not his real name, but latino people might understand why i say this in, in towards the end but um he says that him and sancho jay and sancho picked up jamie and they were just cruising going somewhere and they passed by this bank and jamie's like pull over here and he pulls out like a president mask and a gun and he says i'm gonna rob this bank to get you your money back and uh y'all just turn around and wait for me and so he jumps out of the car and Jake's like, no, we're leaving, you know? They they didn't sign up for this shit, so. But I thought Jake told him to rob a bank. Told him to, but not with him yeah, right. as an accomplice. So uh, I think he, when when Jamie went into the bank that he said, you know, gives the teller a note, and she looks at him, and his president Max starts laughing <laughs> at him. But she did give him the money and he told me this crazy story how they took off and jamie ended up running to jake's house which was like a mile a mile and a half away <laughs> and you know he had the blue dye all over him and so he's and then for some reason he got spooked and called his girlfriend to pick him up and even though they would kind of shut the grid down they decided it'd be wise to drive right back by the scene of the crime and that's where they caught this guy in his underwear with blue dye all over him. But I later read that he got caught pretty much right at the site. I don't know why Jake told me this story. I think he was yeah. preparing a story just like the Secret Service. If he gets interviewed by the cops or something right, like that. Like, I, so, he, so
1: I wasn't even there. He, he jumped, I, I dropped him off, but didn't realize what he was going to do. And I left and had no part of it.
0: Uh, and I think he was practicing on me, you know, he, uh, right. what, what is it pathological when you believe your own,
1: right? We can't help but Lie. Yeah. You're constantly lying. It, it's it, a great salesman. Right. So salesmen are great at that. Right. Um, so So the guy got caught right away. He basically, what really happened
0: was he got ran out of the bank and got caught. Right. And, um, because of the dye patch. I, yeah, that's what the paper said. Okay. Jake's story is better, but right. Um, um, well, it's, his day story is not that much different. The only difference is the guy left and came back. And got I, I don't know why his, but, his reason for making that story. I mean, it had to be something he was covering up. But um, I don't know. I mean, a crazy thing kind of an interlock to all this and how it all ties together is the guy that investigated that bank robbery was my dad's old partner in the FBI. And Jake told me, They sat down, and he asked him what he knew about this robbery. And he says, you know, it sucks, man. That guy's crazy. And he's like, the guy's like, well, can we play you a recording? And this was a recording from Jamie's answering machine. And it's Jake saying, man, when are you going to hit that bank like we talked about? (laughs) (laughs) And Jake's like, he got a shit-eating grin. And he's like, I want to wear, you know. But uh, it's just that, that, that agent. His son used to play on a little league basketball team that we played on, so I would think
1: the agent, your name would have come up um, on Jake's alias list. Like you would have been listed as somebody. I would think when he looked at it, he would have been like, "Oh, wait a minute, this is my ex
0: partner's." I think he. They, I right? think, like I said, I think when we first started all this, I think it was circling around. You know, it's weird. Sometimes you think that a cop know someone that has potential they let them kind of rise up and they'll say it's for gathering evidence you know to follow right. the chain right but it, you know I think that or you could say that the cops waiting to it makes better headlines it makes him look better you know you see both sides of it but I think people knew <laughs> I don't know how I don't know so I mean, what happened where's, where's Jake now Jake's doing good <laughs> really i mean yeah but we don't we, we're not nearly as close as what um jaking it up catching a case he had a federal state local task force for him for drugs okay and i i mean i just imagine in this you know like in the movies where you see like crimes and they're pointing you know they have yeah, to, yeah. and all there's all these think about the trajectory of crime i mean all by this kid you know you have murder You have the largest counterfeit bust, a bank robbery, and a big old drug case all pointed to this one guy. But um, he ended up getting busted, you know, and uh, they caught him when, you know, they busted in the hotel rooms. How much, how much time did he get? He got 10 years. We got about nine years, but he cooperated he set up his guy I, I mean i he they were handing out big sentences you know he right. could have got 20 or 30 i'm sure if he wouldn't cooperate or took it to trial so he does his time and god i got all kinds of stories i'll tell you one. so he self-surrendered okay i heard you talking on the last show about you wonder about people why they self-surrender why they don't just run and make them catch them or whatever but jaking it up his dad got him a job at some small town sewer department. So he he joked and said he went from high rolling to shoveling shit, basically. But Jake, being Jake, he befriended this, fell in love with this beautiful, blonde young Oklahoma country girl, and um, uh, I think he you knew they were getting getting married, but uh. He talked about, he got the call to surrender. It was about a year. We took a trip to Vegas, which was kind of cool when you know, your buddy's going away for 10 years. But um, so he's, this is his last weekend of freedom. So him and his girl, they're partying, they're having a good time. And he bought her some lingerie and she in turn bought him like a little, you know, one of them stripper purple banana hammock type thongs to wear or whatever. And so they did their thing. He gets dropped off at County. Jake worked out, he's all yoked up, you know. He can handle himself, but he said in county, you can't work out, food sucks, you got scrawny. But he got to call the report to his prison. But you know when they have you stripped to your skivvies, the only skivvies he had was this dong thingy that his girlfriend bought him, so. <laughs> I don't know. That's not the best way to go in. Uh you know he's not he's the kind of guy that handles his business you know and he doesn't i mean but he has crazy prison stories so he did his time gets out he i went to go visit him when he was in fort worth for the last little part fort worth medical which is where that tiger joe guy is now but yeah that's a trip to visit your friend and and in, in prison it was just kind of crazy but he ended up he he ran a book that was his hustle when he was in Fort Worth, and he ran it for this big famous bookie out of Oklahoma named Pody Poe. Pody Poe used to have an underground casino in the old money section of Oklahoma City called Nichols Hills for for years. Like the mayor, football, everyone knew about it, but they finally busted him on it. But you know he would talk about sweating out games and. These guys, you know, they have nothing but time, so they get real good at picking games yeah. and all of that stuff. But um, uh, when he gets out, he gets into a business that a lot of cons get get into. I'm not going to say it because he's still in that business and right. it's kind of a public business, but killing it, crushing it, making six figures within, within um, two years. He marries this beautiful girl that looks like Audrey Hepburn. They have a baby. There, um, he's driving a Lexus. He just closed on a brand new house out in the suburbs. Well, his friend Sancho got arrested in Oklahoma City on minor drug charges, like he stole his girlfriend's camera and pawned it. So he's got to get high so bad he tells him all all the details about that murder. So Jake gets out of Fed, works his way, has his whole life set, and. The same cop comes get them for this murder charge, and they're they're charging them capital murder, drug kingpin. I mean, the death penalty was on the table. So, this is a recent. This was in between his prisons prisons. So he did ten years in the Fed. He got out early thirties. So he's mid to early thirties. Started over, doing fine. They come in with this other one. What he, happened with that? He's gone away. There, you know, he um, what. Well, he got he hired a lawyer, his family hired a lawyer, he lied a lawyer, whatever, big good lawyers. You know, I can only imagine his family. This is the second murder trial that they've been through with their sons. It's right. And they're all good people and you know, I know they're all doing well, but um he the whole thing was in his case, the crux of it was whether or not he knew the guy had a gun. And if he they, they would have proven that he would have got a gun, he would have got life, murder in the first degree. But he got murdered in the second degree, but during his trial, Sancho, the same guy that snitched him out, which Jake snitched on his drug case so right, right, him, right. Yeah, yeah, started having an affair with Jake's wife, the mother of his child, and they were walking in the court. <laughs> Can you imagine so so what happened? What did he end up getting? got murdered in the second degree he got twenty five years. You started this off saying he was doing fine. Well, he, we're I'm fifty. We're four. He did ten years. He did state. He did half of it. He did twelve and a half years. He's out. <laughs> I was gonna say your your your
1: definition of fine and well, my he, definition. of So you're saying he's now he got out. So he got out on the second one. Now he's doing
0: fine, making six figures. That's why I mean he's like you. He's a winner. You know. Uh, okay he's like you know he hands on his feet and still he did not mean for these are decisions that he made very young he didn't mean for that person to get killed oh no i i I, you know that always kills
1: me is that like and unfortunately this is the way it worked and people don't realize how it works like if i if i say hey look man you know if i say colby bro like that dude this guy over here you know he knows me and he knows that i know he's got money in the house so what, but he doesn't know you and does not know that I know you. So why don't you get one of your buddies and you guys break in that house and get the money? He's in there. He doesn't have a gun. He doesn't have nothing, but he's in there alone. He's got $50,000 of cash. It's under the bed. And, and Colby goes, oh, okay, cool, cool. Yeah, I'll do it. Colby grabs one of his buddies. They run up, they kick in the fucking door. They happen to have a gun. They get into a fucking, they get into a, a fight. The guy resists. He ends up getting shot. I'm charged with murder. Because even though I'm like, even if I told Colby specifically, typically, typically, it depends on what state, in the feds, and in Florida, typically, typically what happens, is even if I told Colby, don't bring a gun, and Colby goes, man, don't worry, I got you, I'm not going to bring a gun. Colby brings a gun anyway. Guess what? I'm going to get charged with murder.
0: You hear about like kids from the inner city, yeah. that happening, they're just going for the ride, and I think that a lot of that, depends on the affluent i mean if you have enough money to hire a team versus a public defender <laughs> yeah. and but yeah because in both of these cases other people could have been you know yeah so well, listen, i i know a
1: guy who was driving a car for his brother he was driving his car or the car his brother and a friend went to go rob a drug dealer well it wasn't a drug dealer it was a D, dea had set it all up they didn't realize they wow. run into a well a you know, into a, a whatever, a, a stash house to rob a drug dealer that was never there. There was never any money. As soon as they get out and they're running towards the, the the house, the cops jump out of the house. They jump out of the house next to it. They pull, cars pull up. The kid starts hearing shots being fired. He panics and hits the gas and takes off. They pin him in with the car. He gets out of the car, starts running. One of the, one of the DEA agents shoots him Doesn't even have a gun. Shoots him. Blows his leg off. At the knee. Boom. Hits the ground. His brother died. The other guy died. He lost his leg. He got 30 years. He was charged with murder. Because he was driving the vehicle. And his brother got killed. So they basically charged him. I think they just charged him with his brother's murder. I don't think the other guy got murder. I think he survived. So they charged him with murder. Because there was a there was a a death during a robbery that you were a part of, even though it's like, yeah, but I, my brother didn't kill anybody. They killed my brother. Doesn't matter who died on either side. You got charged with it, and he lost his leg. He was like in his he was like 19 or 20 years old when it's, I met him.
0: It's it's so scary. It's like what I was just
1: driving the car, right, man. Right. I didn't, and right. and uh, if you met the guy, he was just this, you know, do-de-do. Not you know not not a not he wasn't like he was simpleton or anything but he was he was just a nice kid he was a black nice black thin black kid wheeling himself around in a wheelchair like he was sitting on the couch one day when his brother came in and said bro I need to drive drive the car I need to drive the car and he was he'd never been in trouble he was like fuck you know and his brother's like come on man it's nothing drive the car the guy nobody's even in the house we're gonna run up kick in the door rob the place leave it's not a big deal he was like he's like so I did it it's that's horrible. it it's over
0: thirty years. That sucks, man. Yeah. On a violent crime,
1: you're going to do 85% of your time in the Fed, in a wheelchair. i oh.
0: the equity under the law thing? And I mean, it, there is none in my opinion, but. Uh. It's
1: a harsh system, bro. It's harsh. It's t- the funny thing is the first time it's nonviolent the first time. It's typically not that harsh. But the second time. It's brutal. And if it's violent, it's brutal. Pretty much typically brutal the first time. So, but hey, you know, I, nobody's asking my opinion. Um, so, what's going on? What are you doing?
0: What are you doing now? Man, I wrote a I wrote a very rough draft about all this. I had a couple years off. I've been a over-the-road truck driver for 15 years. So, salute to all your drivers out there. It's, I have it's a hard work. A,
1: yeah, I was going to say, I have a buddy who does it, uh, Mike Hudson. Every time I talk to him, he gripes and
0: screams and bitches and moans about it. He's- it's hard. Yeah, I mean, I was a road where I was a trainer. So I would work 330 days out of the year and I had to train students that. Right. You don't know who you're getting, but we, I mean, I ran, ran coast to coast. And then I bought my own truck and ran the oil fields, which I got pulled over in South Texas a few months ago, four times in 12 days on random inspections. Because the board, the governor's protecting our border somehow by pulling over sand trucks and and getting inspecting us. But the, the the trooper told us, we know you guys run twenty four hours in in the oil fields. It's it's crazy, man. And but that's what I've been. I mean, I have worked my whole life. Had a couple ex wives. You know the uh, um
1: that's just that's horrible bro like it mike hudson does it and mike's like you couldn't do it you couldn't do it <laughs> you, you remember mike <laughs> mike's am like oh it seems hard mike It's too hard for you you couldn't do it." oh like, god mike
0: I, he's it, a tough guy it, i loved it it's it, for a scammer because you're always plotting you're you're trying when we had paper log books yeah i mean it, you, people wouldn't understand but you're just constantly how can i manipulate this right. time 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 and as a trainer, I worked for a company that had a lot of freight. So the trainers kind of, they can, we can run more time. So you become the, the elite and the little solo drivers. Here's Matt driving. He's got a good load, but there's a trainer, a shark coming in. I, I try to get your load because I can take it farther. And I don't know. It's it's, it's hard work, but I, I, I liked it. And, but when things aren't going well This is dangerous. Like people get hurt all the
1: time. Guys get into a car like you get into a car accident in a fucking truck. like it's you you could be killed.
0: like it's imagine you have to trust this guy that you've never met that's driving your truck out of driving school. <laughs> yeah, it's I was a trader for seven years. I met all kinds of crazy some mostly cool guys just to hear stories from all over the country. A few the mentally ill ones they're you got to stay live with them it's like having a celly i think you know it's smaller than a prison cell but um i met some cool cats met met a guy from dc that did time i don't know if you've ever heard of lorton prison it was you know dc doesn't have a jail it's not a state yeah so it's all federal right they all before that they had a prison called lorton it was in virginia and he called it the most corrupt prison in america but uh this guy was like an inner city kingpin, and he had so many stories, you know. And the happiest guy I've ever met, you know, he never got mad or anything. But it was, it was cool. That that's what I've been doing. Uh, I, I had to, I literally jumped off a truck. I just got fed up with it, so I've had a couple years off. And my my mom's getting older, so I've been helping with her take take care. I've done a lot of cooking and finding TV shows for my mom because she, she can't figure out the streaming stuff and right. a lot of chick flicks and uh, working stuff out in my head. Like writing, writing the story and writing your life story, I think you mentioned you did that when yeah. you were. It's very therapeutic. It's very cathartic. You look back at things and see them in a different light, I, I hope. So I'm in a good place, I guess, as good as I've ever been. Okay. I was nervous on this thing, so right. but I tried. Thank well, you for having me. Thank yeah. you for showing any interest at all. And you Can you think of anything we didn't cover? We're good? Feel like- <laughs> I could talk a lot of stuff, but you said to keep it on topic. Uh- hey, I appreciate you guys watching. If you like the video, do
1: me a favor, share the video. Cause that really does help with the algorithm even more so than leaving a comment. So share the video with your friends and family. Do me a favor and uh, subscribe to the channel. Hit the bell. You know, leave me a comment. Uh, we're going to leave any links that, um, that Kyle has uh, in the description box. And I really do appreciate you guys watching. Thank you very much. See ya.
2: No, I was uh, born in Miami. Grew up in Clearwater, Tampa area. Um, I moved to Knoxville, Tennessee probably about eight years ago. Okay. And that's where I caught my case was in, in Knoxville.
1: All right. um, So, so what? So where, you, so you weren't, I mean, mom, dad, like?
2: Um, you know, I had a good childhood for the most part. Kind of got into, like, drugs and street life at a younger age, you know. Um, but. I'd say when I was about twenty-five, I met my ex-wife, and you know, kind of went straight for a while. Right. Um, Well, I mean, so you graduated high school. You were what were you
1: doing after high school?
2: Oh, uh, (laughs) just.
1: I mean, you said went you went said went straight, makes it seem like you were doing something selling
2: selling drugs. Oh, okay, that was in Uh, in
1: in high school or after high school or
2: in high school after high school. um, You know, started selling weed not really on any like big scale right and then the pills kind of hit um tampa area right Oxies. yeah um and you know i was selling lots of oxies and developed a, a habit to say the least
0: um, right
2: you know but I, I was counterfeiting a little bit when i was younger um kind of toyed with it and never on not on like a huge scale but, you know, I couldn't get the bills perfect, but I was selling them and making a little bit of money and then did that for like a year and then stopped.
1: Right. When you say younger, how, how young?
2: Like 19, 20.
1: Right. What, what were you using then? Just basic equipment over the counter? Or? Yeah,
2: yeah. I mean, even even recently I was using, you know, I didn't have like printing presses and you know what I mean? It's all digital nowadays, like right. the capability of uh, digital printers has like advanced extremely yeah. in the past 10 years. Um, and that's what the secret service was like wondering, uh, how I got the bills to look so good with just regular, you know, $200, $300 printers, but I'm a graphic designer. So a lot of it has to do with like breaking the images down and sharpening them right. uh, on the digital file.
1: Well, so, so you were basically, were just kind of like selling drugs that make ends meet and you would counterfeit a little bit, but <clears throat> you said then you met your, your wife and stopped or? Yeah,
2: I, I met, uh, my wife, um. So we decided to move to to Knoxville, because um, my parents moved up to, in that area. Her mom lived up in North Georgia, so we were just kind of getting out of Florida. Um, <clears throat> and I, you know, got a job in the sign business. Was doing doing good, you know. I mean, I still had a, a drug habit, but I've always been functioning. You know what I mean? Right. Uh, kept a job and a house and everything. You know, I've got kids. So, um, but at this sign company, I ended up wrecking a truck so i had a newborn baby it was like you know those late nights tired i got called into work um i worked like 80 hours that week with a newborn baby at home like not sleeping so i was doing a service call in a bucket truck and wrecked the truck because i fell asleep at the wheel so basically that like they let me go at that job because of that or whatever reason um and uh and this was like two months before our lease was up in our house too. So I lost my job, didn't have a lot of money saved. So that's kind of what put me back into the counterfeiting thing. I was like, well, I've got two months to figure out a new house, a new house, and you know, a way to make money. So I kind of just said, fuck it, let's go back to to this and do it on a larger scale. Um, so I, within those two months before my lease was up, I basically just stayed at home. On the computer, 10, 12 hours a day, like, uh, you know, making these digital images as sharp and clean. So, like, uh, to prevent counterfeiting, you can't scan a a picture of a bill or print one because the printer, like, recognizes that image and it just – it'll print, like, just a little bit of it and then just stop. Really? Yeah. So, you – Nice. Instead of scanning the pictures, I just take a photo and then upload that photo, which kind of got around that security measure that the printers have. Um, and then, like, with graphic design, I would take that image and break it down to, like, three or four different images. So so
1: it would print it. So
2: the printer wouldn't recognize the bill because you're, you're taking the background color and having one image that's just the background color of the bill. And then another image with the, the serial numbers and treasury seal. And then another image with all the black work
1: and you're just running the paper through and, over and yeah, over printing again.
2: 3 I printed 3 prints for the front of the bill and 2 prints for the back of the bill and then I uh printed the strip and the watermark on the back of the back. So then I could then glue the two pieces together and the you know the strip and watermark would be embedded in them.
1: How are you getting this strip?
2: I just printed it. So I was using like in this the secret service said that this was like uh, a large key to my success was i was using bible paper to uh print the bills on
1: how, how did how did you figure out how to use bible paper
2: trial and error <laughs> lots of uh so like i've read uh the art of making money yeah yeah you know, and, and you know he was sandwiching too i think he what's was his name art art williams williams yeah 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 uh, i knew
1: a, i had a buddy who was uh locked up with him oh yeah yeah he okay. said when he after when the book came out, he said Art was walking around passing out. He was. He said, "Man, he would he was telling everybody that about oh, the, yeah. the book, and he was." Um, that yeah. was a good book. It, was a good, it was a good book. That, I read it in prison.
2: Yeah, that's what uh, originally gave me the idea to start counterfeiting when I was like nineteen. I was reading that book, um, but I knew he he sandwiched two pieces together. I think he was using like a, like telephone book paper, or newsprint, or some kind of other than
1: I I know he had through trial and he had got eventually I knew he was ordering the paper yeah and he couldn't he couldn't order the exact size paper that the that the um uh that they were using for bills so he figured okay fuck it I'll I'll order half the size and just glue them together and that'll give me the ability to inside of it to be able to glue the also glue the um see
2: I think a large portion of his uh deal was he was trying to find paper that would mark yellow with the counterfeit pen See, I, I found kind of a way around that. So, like, the Bible paper was thin enough to sandwich two sheets together and opaque enough to where you couldn't see the strip and watermark through it unless you held it up to the light. So, it was, and uh, for some reason, certain kinds of Bible paper aren't like bleached. So, if you put it in a black light, it glows that dull purple, just like real money, right? As opposed to like all other papers glow that bright blue, like fluorescent color. Um, so basically Bible paper was like perfect. I mean, it, it, it was opaque, it was thin, it, it glowed right in a black light and it, it didn't mark with the pen though. So I would spray it with a matte lacquer spray to create a barrier because counterfeit pens are iodine based ink. So like the iodine in the ink reacts with the starch in the paper. So by spraying it with lacquer, you create a barrier. So right. there's no chemical reaction between the iodine pen and the paper. So, and and that helped, like, it seems like every security feature I beat, uh, solved multiple issues, you know what I mean? Which was just, it, they exponentially got better every time I, so like the lacquer spray not only helped with the, the counterfeit pen, but it also gave it that crisp texture, like real thin, you know, if you yeah. spray it with lacquer and just take an iron to it real quick.
1: Yeah. It becomes crispy
2: and then hold and spray another coat of lacquer from a distance. It would feel like sandpaper. And then you take it and just go on the edge of a table, and it, it crisped up and it, it knocked off that gritty sandpaper feel, but gave it that texture. People would scratch the, to feel the texture and the ink and stuff. So it,
1: so it felt like paper. It, I mean, it felt like money, looked like money. Oh yeah. It marked, mm-hmm. it, it it beat the black light, and and you could see through it just like normal money. So it was just it was basically flawless. I mean, from the you bought paperwork from the Secret Service and your discovery and stuff. So mm-hmm. how long did it take you? to figure all that out though
2: um like so within the two months that like my lease was up I got fired I had two months to figure stuff out so within those two months I uh I don't remember exactly how the bible paper came apart it was just kind of trial and error I was looking for thin paper and I basically just one day felt it and was like oh this is thin I tried it and it worked great so um you know, within those two months, I edited the images, I broke them down, zoomed in, got rid of all the gray, fuzzy, you know, like sharpened the images. Because really it was well. a photo. Yeah. Um, which, I mean, high resolution cameras take pretty good photos already. But uh, to... So like each print has to be color matched. If, if you just print like the picture of a $100 bill, the colors will be off. Because in order to get the the, the green on the treasury seal and serial numbers correct... The background color will be off, right? And vice versa. Yeah, cool.
1: Because so, it's printed on paper that's slightly colored and has yeah. fibers and all the other stuff, right? Yeah, so you
2: like the paper. I believe they they use like just dyed paper, but I'm printing the background color, so you you got to match that to money. You know what I mean? Right. Um, so you know, in those two months, I after it took well, it took more than two months. I started kind of doing it after two months and making money. Um, a buddy of mine that worked at the sign company with me. Uh, like, so one of my buddies called me and was like, because, like I said, I had a drug problem at the time, you know, on top of being (laughs) broke and no job and uh, having a, you know, at least a hundred, two hundred dollar a day heroin habit, right? Four kids, you know. Um, but a buddy of mine called me and was like, you know, if you, if you need any, any dope, call this dude. I'm not going to say his name because, you know, right. A buddy of mine at the sign company, I knew he sold a little bit of weed and, uh, but I didn't know, you know, the extent or anything because we were just working together. So he got fired from the sign company. I got fired. So I called him one day and went over to his house to get some some stuff. And, uh, you know, he was way bigger of a drug dealer than I thought. You know what I mean? Like he was dealing in multiple, uh, you know, like meth, heroin, coke, weed, right. all sorts. He was a professional. <laughs> yeah. So I, and I, I ran it by him. I was like, you know, I'm starting to to print some money again, you know what I mean? Maybe you could use it to re-up in Atlanta. Because at this point, I was nervous about spending on myself. I I always wanted to just sell them to people. Right. Um,
1: You didn't want to go into a store, hand somebody, and then they go, oh, hold on a second. The security guard shows up and arrests you. The
2: bills got progressively better. So, like, each bill, I'm I'm hand-making. So, it's like you're cutting them out, you're spraying it, you're squeegeeing and gluing, and then using – I was using – holographic green eyeshadow to paint on, the color shifting 100. Right. Um, So, like, the more you do it, the more practice you get and the better they look. So, in the beginning, I I wasn't... I knew they looked good. They were passable. But, like, I I was still nervous about going into stores and shopping. You know what I mean? So, I started giving this guy, this drug dealer, bills to go to Atlanta and, uh, you know, buy drugs. So, he started doing that. Um, And... Eventually, like this, this only lasted probably three or four months, um, but he got his house got raided. So, so, so I, what?
1: What is so? If you're giving him ten thousand or five thousand, I don't know how much you're giving him to buy the drugs. If you're giving him ten thousand, like what percentage of actual money are you getting in return for that? About
2: twenty percent usually. Okay, so he I mean, was him- it was circum- He was a friend of mine. So yeah. if he if he was five grand short on re-upping, I may just give it to him and he, you know, but then another time he I'd give him 10, he'd give me, you know, 2,500 or, right. or whatever. It's usually about 20 cents on the dollar, 25 cents. Um, but that only lasted a few months. Um, and I was kind of like perfecting the bills as I was working with him. Um, I was giving him a lot of fake 20s. I was doing 20s too at that time because those, the 20s, I wasn't putting strips in or anything. Those I was just printing. On regular paper with no strips or watermarks. he was just mixing it in with large sums of money to re up. Right. Um, the hundreds, obviously, people tend to scrutinize more, and I, those need security features all of them. Be but, um, but he got arrested. His house got raided, um, and one of his charges was possession of counterfeit money. So it made me kind of nervous. You know what I mean? I don't. You know. I, you don't know if I, I. I heard that he might be cooperating. Of course. I mean you know you never know um and like i'd say well no this was before the lease was up so after a couple months i was doing it for a couple months and then he got arrested and the i was at my house one day and we we missed the trash you know we didn't bring the trash by the road one morning i I know that's how uh you know the secret service gets a tries to get a search warrant if they suspect you're counterfeiting they'll go through your trash cans first to look for evidence you know so I'd always bag up my trash separately, like all the counterfeiting. I had like an office with, you know, different color shifting sprays, ventilation to, to spray it with lacquer indoors. And um, But I'd bag up all the trash, you know, separately. But about a week after he got arrested, I noticed the trash truck was, it was like trash picked up on a Monday. And this was like a Wednesday. And it was just parked outside of my house. So I'm like, that's weird. And I'm like, oh, can you take... I forgot to bring the trash down. Can you take this so we can't throw it in?
1: Absolutely we they, can.
2: Boom, dump it in. It was empty. You could tell it made a big sound. And then they just drove off and, like, a black, blacked-out Suburban <laughs> drove off after them. So that, like, spooked me. You know what I mean? I knew there was no no counterfeiting evidence in there. But still, it, you
1: know... You know, you're being watched.
2: It It appeared that way. So, um... Which the Secret Service in Knoxville said, I mean, I after I got arrested, I asked them if that was them, if they knew, it, they didn't admit to it. I don't know if they would, though. But Right. But anyway, so then my lease was up, so I was like, fuck this. I'm not even getting a new house. I'm going to go all in with this money thing, and we'll just stay at a hotels, you know. Um, so we started living at uh, hotels, um, and I just met multiple different drug dealers, and, and usually I'd... Uh, You know, rip them off basically. Like, there were a few at the end that I was honest with them about the bills, but like, usually I'd just go buy heroin from these drug dealers and, you know, I'd get them for five grand, ten grand worth of heroin. Right. So you're
1: giving them five grand of fake bills, getting five thousand in heroin, and then you're selling, reselling the heroin.
2: I mean, yeah, doing it, selling it, whatever, you know. Um,
1: well, I mean, I'm assuming you're making some – got to be making money. You're, you're living in a hotel. Oh, yeah, I mean, yeah,
2: you know. I mean, of course. Well, that's and, – and by this point, so I started like – the first time I, I actually went in and broke a bill, it was in a, a Taco Bell, which now I know like you don't go to fast food restaurants because a lot of those places have the safes under there with like bill validators. It's basically like a vending machine safe. Right. That's how they deposit money is you put it through this bill validator. And uh, my bills didn't work in, in that because it detects, like, infrared and magnetic ink and all these other security features. So, but at the time, I didn't know that because I just started breaking them. I went into a Taco Bell at, like, midnight before they closed, and she just held it up. I bought, like, two tacos. She gave me $95. So, right. I was like, hey. Nice. I was, you know, I was nervous at first, but it worked without a problem at all. So.
1: Did they ever figure it out later, like? Because you have photos and stuff of yeah, <laughs> of I mean, you well, passing bills.
2: Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, that was— I do not know if
1: that was one of them. You're saying no? No, no. 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 Okay.
2: Um, eventually, you know, the whatever store, they get a counterfeit bill. At the end of the week, the armored truck will come pick up their deposit, take it to the bank, and then the bank will realize that this money's fake. Right. But then they only have a window of, okay, we got this counterfeit bill within this week of time.
1: Yeah, so they don't have any how many idea. They, yeah. bills, does it's it? not worth. It's not worth.
2: You'd have to review a week's worth of footage. Even
1: then, you're not getting your 100 bucks back. Exactly. So now I spent $600 reviewing or $1000 reviewing yeah, you're gonna footage. You're
2: going to pay a federal a special agent to sit there for yeah. a week reviewing footage yeah. So You just hit. Yeah, I felt pretty confident that uh, I could just start shopping right. at that point. Um so you know, basically me and my wife. But the, the problem was finding the Bible paper because um, uh, I tried to buy it in bulk online. But apparently there's there's only three manufacturers of Bible paper and you have to buy it in the world. There's three and you have to buy it in like giant reams. Right. Which was just not, you know, didn't want to do that. I didn't want a paper trail of, you know, receiving a pallet of Bible paper, you know. Right. Um. So I'd go on road trips to. uh you know, Atlanta, Chattanooga, I was in Knoxville, I went to every bookstore, I was Googling bookstore, Barnes and Noble, Books a Million, going there and just ripping out the, the blank four to ten to twenty blank pages in the back. So like in a in a Bible section at a Barnes and Noble, say there's a hundred Bibles with, you know, four to ten sheets in each one, I mean, that one bookstore is worth a hundred grand right. you know, worth of paper. So... Uh, but eventually, that, you know, eventually I literally ripped out every blank page of every Bible from Atlanta to Cleveland, Ohio, you know. So I started paying uh, maintenance men at hotels. I went, I was living out of hotels. So every day I'd check into a new hotel room and take at least the two, three, four blank pages out of the Bible in the, the nightstand. And uh, one day we checked into a hotel and there was no Bible there. So I, I saw the maintenance guy and I was like, hey, let me get the Bible. I was like, you don't keep Bibles in the rooms anymore? He's like, no, we've got boxes of them in the the maintenance closet. So I was like, let me buy those Bibles. I'm like, I'll give you a gram of dope, 100 bucks, whatever. Let me get those boxes of Bibles. So we were paying maintenance guys to, you know, just bring us all the Bibles from each hotel. Right. Um, And one of my, the co-conspirator that set me up was going up to Cleveland, Ohio to buy drugs. And he was paying maintenance guys at hotels to, you know, I was giving him fake money. He was going up there to buy heroin and come back with heroin and Bible paper. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean. Well, <laughs> <laughs> the guy that. Uh, and what happened? The guy that set me up, I, I ended up like meeting him from uh, just
1: well, buying. How long did this go on for?
2: About two years.
1: So for two years you're living in hotels.
2: Uh, yeah, I'm pretty much hopping around. See, like with counterfeiting, you gotta, you have to move around. Yeah, you know what I mean, you don't want to sit. Which that was a mistake of mine. Was spending too much in Knoxville. Um, which that was the reason I I got caught was because guys set me up up in Cleveland, Ohio. Right, but. Um, Still, just in retrospect, I was spending too much money in Knoxville. I spent like four hundred thousand dollars in fake bills in in Knoxville in the course of like a year and a half. So, um, but uh, so did did you ever see the movie To Live and Die in L.A.? No, I've I've heard of it, and I've oh, it's William Defoe, and he was printing money. Yeah, yeah, oh, you got to
1: see that movie. It's a great movie.
2: Yeah, I'd like to see that. I know about it. I've I've been meaning to watch it, but yeah, I mean it's it's
1: old. Yeah, like how old like, are you?
2: 35? Uh, Fuck, it's probably 25,
1: 30 years old, but it was the but, 80s I think. Yeah, Something but it'd be great though. You'd love it. You'd yeah. love it. This guy is like super professional, but you know, yeah. it's also there's just it's dangerous, you know, you 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 realize I mean obviously it's t- tons of fucking money. It's it's a dangerous it can be a dangerous situation and he's been they they know they're they're tracking him. They're all over mm-hmm. him. They're and he knows everything. He knows their tactics and he knows what they can do and what they can't do. Like, he literally knows he's talking to FBI agents. Yeah. Or are they secret? I think they have... I think, I they think have back then it was FBI. FBI. Well, I... know
2: no, the, Secret Service always been counterfeit. always been counterfeit.
1: <clears throat> but it, it's still... F- and the thing, I think they're FBI. But regardless, mm-hmm. only because people don't realize Secret Service. I have people... When I get arrested, they're like Secret Service. Cox is lying. He wasn't arrested by the Secret <laughs> Service. They only, they only um, protect the president, protect the president, yeah. or and 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 U.S. money, and they wouldn't be after him. He's lying. It's like motherfucker, you shut. No, you don't know what it. you're Secret fucking talking about. Secret
2: Service took over like all financial crimes, right? They? Especially <laughs> if it deals
1: with identity theft. Yeah, like any financial crimes, crime. Can still be investigated by the FBI, but if identity theft is involved, it almost always gets shifted to the Secret Secret
2: Service. service,
1: But regardless, um, yeah, I mean, great movie. You got to watch that movie. I'm sorry. Uh, Sorry.
2: Um, Sorry. You got to watch that movie. (laughs) I'd like to watch it. Um, So, one of these guys I was buying heroin from, I got probably got him for like $10,000 over the course of a few weeks. Um, And these guys never (laughs) come back on you? Well, see. A lot of times, I'd I'd do that, get about five ten grand worth, and then and then just stop, stop dealing stop with that guy, Because right. you know you don't know if if you buy five hundred bucks worth of dope from somebody and it's fake, you call them the next day to buy five hundred more dollars. You know you don't know. Some of these guys might have found out and are fucking pissed and trying to set you up.
1: Yeah, that you show up and they got a gun. So you really you know. have
2: to be able to read people over the phone and kind of you know, which. Eventually, when people did find out, they weren't even mad because they were, you know, they'd hold them up. These drug dealers would think they were real, and then they'd go re up with it or go shopping and spend them, and they they always worked. So even when they yeah. found out, like, oh, these bills were fake. You've been giving me nothing but fake bills. Like, they'd laugh because they didn't lose any money. You know what I mean? They'd right. be like, this white boy just got me for ten grand. Like, right. more power to you. You know what I mean? So this one guy in particular, um, you know, I came uh well I, I, at one point I did rent a, a little house. I had roommates and we were staying in the house for a couple months but so at that point, where's the wife at this point? She's with me I okay. mean we're traveling around you know what I mean with the kids in the hotels and <sighs> Bro. shopping every I mean that was the, my job was to you know basically wake up in the morning go
1: spend money print
2: make you know say 2500 bucks go shopping, spend it all, get real money, get a hotel room, tape paper to to do the printing part, because the Bible paper is too thin, so you'd have to tape it on a regular piece of printed paper to feed it through, it so through. I'd sit there all night taping Bible paper, you know, have a stack like this for the next morning to print them, and then go shopping, and it was just, every day was a, you know, it was like a job, you know I mean, it was yeah. constantly just a working lucrative. on it.
1: Just a lucrative. Well,
2: job. you're making money, I mean. Yeah. <laughs> That that was the whole goal, you know what I mean? Like you, I do selling drugs, doing all this stuff to make money. It's like really just cut out the middleman. That's that was my thinking, you know what I mean? If I can find a way to make legitimately good money that passed every time, there's no point in not doing that. And right. you know, in my eyes, but uh, so this one guy went home and he was standing in my driveway.
1: I was gonna say the the people you were clipping to are drug dealers, so yeah. even if they get caught with the money. You know, it's not like it's not like it's fucking a little lady or anything, you know.
2: And and most drug dealers think that counterfeit, like I've had a few that found out and I'm like, well, do you still want, do you want to start buying them from me? And that oh, I don't fuck with counterfeit. You know, that's right. serious. And I'm like, you're, you're selling heroin. You're selling heroin. Yeah. Well, you know, I doesn't... got, I got a year in the feds for counterfeit and hundreds yeah. of thousands of dollars. You're, you're trafficking heroin interstate with guns on you and you're worried about counterfeiting.
1: Well, he's just, he just hadn't got caught by the right yeah, exactly. people yet.
2: Once, once you get fifteen years fuck, for an yeah. yeah. heroin conspiracy, you know, every, counterfeiter, every counterfeiter,
1: every counterfeiter I ever met in 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 uh, prison had hadn't. It, they were always like the second or third time. Like they were getting like two years, three years, yep. you know, five years. And it's this is third time he's doing it, and he got like five years. It's mm-hmm. like
2: fuck. Yeah, they say the the recidivism rate of counterfeiting is is higher than a be. heroin addict.
1: Yeah, but listen, the, one of the highest recidivism rates is, is fraud. And that probably, mm-hmm. they're saying that probably falls within the fraud department. Yeah. Higher than uh, drug dealers. Mm-hmm. But I believe it. So the guy you said one time, you had moved into a place, and the yeah, guy... Yeah,
2: I, I went, pulled in the driveway, and he was standing in my driveway. And this is like a drug dealer. this guy dealer. that I've been ripping off every day for two months. And so I'm thinking like, oh, fuck. Right. This is going to be a problem, you know what I mean? But I was I was buying the heroin through... This this girl that was a roommate. So like, I'd go up to people. Like I was buying stuff from drug dealers. Every all the addicts I knew, I'd be like, "Hey, get you know from your guy help me set up your drug dealer, and we'll split it because that way it doesn't fall on me." So in this case, I was doing that with this girl, but we were living together. So when it fell on her, I was still there. So, but basically, I overheard him saying like, "I'm not mad. I just wanna, I just wanna find out where you were getting these from." So I like heard that. I just walk in the house, you know, the next day I I go up to her, I'm like, Give me that dude's number. So I call him and I'm like, I'm the guy you're looking for. You know what I mean? Yeah. Let's meet up and we can talk in person. So I meet up with him, and of course, see all these drug dealers, when they do find out the bills are fake, they're like, I want two million dollars worth in a week. Yeah. And they don't realize like I'm not just photocopying these. Each one you're Cutting them out, spraying. Yeah, this is a, labor it, intensive. It's exactly. I mean, you're it takes probably ten I mean, I got it down to where I could make a hundred dollar bill in probably ten minutes. Right. But still, I mean if you, you factor a million dollars worth, that's yes. gonna take months of of cutting, yeah, spraying, yeah. you know, letting You're paying dry. your bills,
1: you just have to pay your bills, you still have to uh, Yeah. And in the end, how are you gonna move a million dollars?
2: Well, and that's the <laughs> other thing. Like I tried to keep everything under ten thousand, because that's the other thing. I was printing the ninety six series hundred, so I figured it'd be kind of weird to go buy, you know, four kilos of heroin with all ninety six series hundreds. You know, I mean, that right. would kind of caused suspicion. You know, what I mean?
1: right. well, plus you have to acquire the, the the you have to acquire the paper. You have to acquire. Mm-hmm. I mean, this just it's it's just very labor intensive. Right? Yeah,
2: it said in my paperwork that. uh that was the issue. I mean, obviously the paper, you know what I mean? I'd, I'd make a road trip to, say, Chattanooga, hit up four different bookstores, Walmarts, get all the Bible paper in the whole fucking city, and it'd be enough to, to make $100,000 worth. But, you know, then you have to make it, spend it, you know what I mean? So it was a constant, like I said, it was a job. Like, you'd go to one city, collect the Bible paper in a couple of days, then spend the next couple of days, you know printing and making bills and then the next couple of days shopping so i'd go to different cities for a week at a time to you know pass you know acquire the materials make them and then and then right. pass them you know.
1: so with a guy he wanted a million.
2: Oh yeah i was like man it doesn't work like that i was like you know if you want say when you're going to cleveland to re-up i'll you know i'll sell you 10 grand for 2500 you know what i mean so he, he started doing that um you know, and and he'd have his real cash in in there too, but he was getting a discount on his heroin because you know, basically, ten or fifteen of of the thousand dollars he was buying at a twenty five percent rate. So right, but eventually that that guy specifically was the one that set me up, and <laughs> he got uh, so one time he was supposed to go up to Cleveland, and I was supposed to go with him. So like he was gonna re up, and I was gonna you know bust bills. I would go around shopping. Um, and I ended up getting arrested on, I think it was like a failure to appear, some little petty thing. I went to jail, like bonded out the next day. But in that time, I guess he just went to Cleveland without me. Um, so I, I got out, um, and one of his, uh, little runner girls that was selling dope for him, uh, told me, like, she said, uh, you know, he, uh he told me not to tell anybody, but he's in jail up in Cleveland. So I was like, he told you not to tell anybody. Yeah. I'm like, that's a red flag. You know what I mean? So, um, and that's, yeah, towards that part, we ended up renting a a house together as well. Um, and he was selling dough. He was like the trap house with me in the back room with ventilation fans. Right. Blowing lacquer out the windows and making money. Um, so I, I went to that house. She, she informed me, he's in jail up in Cleveland. He told me not to tell you. Right. <laughs> I was like, he told, you know. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm getting my stuff and getting the fuck out of here then. So, you know, we uh, get all the, the the printers, computers, ventilation fans, all this stuff, and go get a hotel room. Um, and, you know, there's a lot of information you find out in Discovery. So, yeah. like, at the time, I was just thinking, okay, he's probably cooperating Right, I I need to
1: be gone. I need to get out of here. Yeah. Stop talking to him.
2: So, like, two days later, I'm in this hotel, and he calls me. And he's like, hey, man, I I got that Bible paper. Let's meet up. (laughs) And I was like, no, man. No, the first thing he should have said
1: was, bro, I got arrested. The
2: first thing. That's the first thing you say is because, you know, you don't want people assuming that you're cooperating. Yeah,
1: and the moment you don't mention that as being a major
2: issue. Exactly. Exactly. I'm no dummy. You know what I mean? I've been doing this a minute. So, basically, he's like, oh, let's meet up, I got this Bible paper, and I was like, no, I was like, I'm just gonna live out of hotels for a while again, I think, I think our relationship is over, (laughs) you know what I mean, and he was like, why, what do you mean, you know, and I was like, first of all, you're acting fucking sketchy, bro, like, you got arrested, you didn't tell me, that's a, I'm like, what are you doing, bro, I'm like, even if you didn't cooperate in reality, I still don't trust you anymore, you know, we're done, so, and he, he gave me this story, like, oh, uh, yeah, I did get arrested, um, but they didn't They didn't find anything. It was – because he had a stolen car. He bought a car with a title. It ended up being stolen, and I knew that. Like, I told him. He was like, I bought this 2000 – what was it? A 2010 Charger for 500 bucks in an eight ball. Right. And I'm like, bro, that's stolen. Obviously yeah. stolen. He's like, I've got the title. It's not. We're good. I'm like, whatever, bro. It's stolen. I guarantee you bought it from some junkies for 500 bucks, bro. It's stolen. So – he was saying, "Oh, I, that car was stolen." He was like, "You were right, man. That car was stolen." He's like, "But that's that's the only reason I got arrested, so I had to use that money to the money I was gonna re up with to bond out, and so I couldn't re up. So I'm I'm back in Knoxville. Let's meet up." And I was like, "No, again." I'm like, "Bro, it's not happening." You know what I mean? He was like, "Well, well, can you?" He was trying to get me to get him a kilo of heroin through some other people I knew, and he knows I don't like. I mean, I and dab with drugs, you know. Yeah, but but I was I'm not selling kilos on the on the phone. He's like, get me, you know, seven hundred grams of heroin on like on the phone. I'm like, what are you, what are you doing, bro? So, needless to say, I just hung up once he asked for that. I was like, man, you're out of your mind. And I specifically was like, the feds are listening. Yeah. So I was like, you're the drug dealer. Why are you asking me for drugs? You are the drug dealer. I'm just, I'm just some junkie. Remember to (laughs) buy. You know, hang up the phone. And uh, well, sure enough, they GPS pinged my phone to the location of where the hotel was, and just even talking to him is what led to my arrest. Nice. So,
1: so how they? So they? What happened? How they grab you? They come and knock uh, on the door real lightly and ask you to please come outside. And well, yeah, can you can you meet it? Can you meet us at the? Can you meet us at the uh, station? Well, the uh, at your convenience.
2: So I was uh, staying in a hotel room with my wife at the time and this other other chick, Dylan. Who was selling drugs for these Detroit people? Um, But anyway, so uh, they—I woke up and we woke up in the morning, and I was gonna, you know, start printing. I think I somebody one of the Detroit guys wanted like six grand, I think, or something. He put in like an order, so I was gonna make six grand. They went shopping, um, so that you know, I'm in there. I start, you know, cutting paper, spraying, printing all this. My wife and Dylan leave to go shopping. That's all I know. About 15 minutes later, I get a knock on the door. So I look through the peephole, and it's just black. Yeah. Somebody's yeah. put. So I, my first instinct was like, oh, that, you know, the Detroit people that are selling dope out of this room, somebody's probably trying to rob them or something. Because I was thinking the police would just kick down the door. Like, I didn't think they'd put, you know what I mean, put yeah. a thumb over it. So I was like, you know, go away. Nobody's here. You know what I mean? And I, I knock again look, you know, black thumb over the people, look out the window and I see just a line of Knox County sheriffs. I was like, that's it. bro." You know what I mean? So I start trying to flush, flush this paper money. Um, and I didn't, at the time I was, I was in the process of making it. So it was all one sided. I hadn't glued it together yet. So technically that's not illegal because you're allowed to print money as long as it's black and white. Uh, well what is it was 50 percent smaller, 150 percent bigger, black and white or one-sided. So you can print money all day long as long as it's one-sided. so yeah.
1: but they but, ha- but they have the other bills. Well, they have yeah,
2: they, yeah. The, the problem was the computer because all my bills had different serial numbers. So each file on this computer that uh, could then link me to every serial number that I produced. You know what I mean? Right. Which was the evidence that it wasn't, I didn't get possession of anything, but they got a, a laptop with, yeah, yeah. you know, all the files yeah. that could link me to every, every bill that I. It's
1: fine. It's all those, those little tiny things that you're thinking, well, technically this and technically, bro. You don't want to go to fucking. You don't want to go to trial on technically. Oh no, definitely. Yeah, yeah. you're just. You yeah,
2: know. I wouldn't go to trial with the feds. I would. I wouldn't go to trial
1: with the feds if I was innocent. <laughs> yeah. I I, I I always say, look, if they came in right now, the DEA arrested me right now and said, "Hey, we got you selling four fucking kilos of coke." I'd be like, "Well, can I get a deal? <laughs> yeah, like what? Because I know you're going to prove it." You're yeah. going to be able to it, prove it. If
2: they can't prove it, they're going to get right. somebody to say it. That's what they, I'm saying. Like, like even, if even if I've never even seen
1: yeah. seen it, I know that at trial, you can prove this somehow. You already think you. that's yeah. how you got the indictment. I know I'm done. Mm-hmm. That's just the state. People don't even realize that's really where you live.
2: Yeah. Well, the feds don't. Yeah. The, like you said, the feds don't even indict you unless they, they've got it. Yeah. You know, that's why you like in my case, I had state charges. when So, you know, knock on the door. I start flushing this paper money. Uh. I put, like, probably two grand in the toilet and flush it. I go to put another few thousand in the toilet. But I guess they shut the water off. Yeah, they're not stupid. So they... (laughs) See, because, like, when dude asked me for that, like, 700 grams of heroin or whatever, they were assuming there was drug task force there. They were assuming, like, there's kilos of dope in this hotel room. So there was organized crime unit, drug task force, Cleveland Secret Service, Knoxville Secret Service, KPD. Mm. You know, so they... They so all these bills are just in the toilet now. It won't flush. So I'm (laughs) that doesn't look suspicious at all. And then they start at that point. They start kicking the door in, which you know it's like (laughs) steel reinforced doors cause the you know a fucking panic attack because it's like I was hoping they just kick it in, get it over with, arrest me. They're sitting there, boom, 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 boom. You know for like five minutes, and I don't. I mean, you're in a hotel room. What the fuck do you do? You know, yeah, there's no back door. I just sit down, light a cigarette. Wait for him to come in. And, you know, obviously they throw me down you know, all that good stuff. But So they arrested me on state charges for the first, like, three, four months um, of uh, criminal criminal simulation is what the state charge was until the feds could.
1: Simulation of what, money?
2: Criminal simulation is the charge, yeah. That's, okay. Well, it's basically just their generic. I mean, you can get criminal simulation. I think it's just, uh, it's like a state charge that's generic for, like, fraud, basically. Oh, okay. You know, but uh, yeah, it was. I've never heard that. That's all. You never heard that? No. Listen, bro.
1: I think every state has different. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: But uh, you know, so I think the original charge was like criminal simulation over sixty thousand or something, and then you know, three months later, you go to court, the state's gonna drop your charges. Yay! Great. (laughs) I already knew, you know, knew it was coming. So, but then of course they take me across the street to the federal building, serve me an indictment.
1: Um, I always love the guys that they actually let them out. They actually like walk yeah. out and make the, a mistake.
2: The, yeah, give them <laughs> hope. You know, yeah. let them yeah. into the lobby. And they're free the for like a, like a good
1: <laughs> thirty seconds, and they're yeah, like, yeah. "Hi, I'm so and so from the Marshall." I office. already
2: knew they I had a bond source, uh, bond source hearing on my charges, which uh, you know what that is. Like, if you're if you're gonna bond out, where the money comes from? Yeah, you got to prove it's legitimate and all yeah. this. Which I already knew. That gives that's like a sign the feds are gonna indict you because it, that basically. You can't just bond out and get out. You've got to supply the money, and then they set up a court date in a week so you can prove it. So it gives the feds a week's head start to to serve you the indictment if you do try and bond out. So, but that was it. They let me out on pretrial for a little bit uh, and sentenced me to ten months.
1: Right. Well, you got ten months, but you had you said the actual that at some point the secret they came to you. They wanted to give you. More time, like you yeah. initially you were supposed to get more time, but the yeah, the,
2: the original uh, uh guidelines was I, I think it was like 24 to 36 or something like two to three years, right? Um, and so the secret service basically came to me, uh, well, let's go back to the the dude E that set me up, right? Once I got arrested there, he they let him go as an informant, right? You know what I mean, and then he disappeared. So he was on the run because, like, it's complicated. But like the so the Cleveland secret Circuit which the could be good.
1: Could be good. this could be good it, for you. It's great. Yeah, yeah. fucking. Because now, now you got well. Now you got nobody to connect me with any of this shit, and he can't get on the stand and prove if well, you were to they, go to they trial. They got the
2: laptop with the. I mean, the evidence was in my possession. Yeah. Okay. But
1: yeah. it still weakens their case. Slightly. Yeah. Yeah.
2: But also, like, um, so he. He went on the run. Like basically, he cooperated, got me arrested, and then he disappeared. Um, and then like, I guess that I was incarcerated at this point. But I heard that maybe two, three months later, he was in Knoxville again. Accidentally fired a gun in his apartment. The the KPD went in there. Accidentally, I was yeah, love accidentally. The fucking idiot man. KPD arrested him after all all this. He. Wanted to be an informant for KPD, Knoxville Police Department. So of course he's a professional now. Yeah, yeah, apparently. Um, You know, so KPD is excited, obviously, as like a multi kilo dealer willing to cooperate. So they let him go again. Of course, he goes on the run again. You know, he just makes promises to the police, tries to disappear, which I don't blame him. You know, whatever. But so he was on the run. So when the Secret Service came to me, they were like, "Listen, this guy that set you up, your co defendant, uh, he was a co conspirator on my case." Um, they were like, he's on the run now. We're trying to get him. So when he cooperated, the Cleveland Secret Service promised, you know, you get us this guy, we won't press charges on you for the counterfeit. He does that, but then he, he takes them to Knoxville. So then the Eastern District of Tennessee just indicted him. So it was just like, he got a deal from the Cleveland Secret yeah. Service, but then the Knoxville Secret Service, you know. So anyway, they he was a co, uh, co-defendant on my case. Um, and You know, the Secret Service basically said, you know, we'll give you cooperation credit if you show us how you made these bills. You know, and confirm everything he already told us. Make a training video for the Secret Service for future agents. You know, explain, go through all the evidence and show them. Yeah, they they
1: have to be experts on on bills. So to to best the best way to be an expert is figure out exactly how these bills are being made, so that you can detect them and see. So. I and mean, they need that. And
2: like, they, they wanted, you know, to know certain things to look out for and this and that. So, I mean, this, the Secret Service said that the bills I was making were the best they've seen in like 25 years. Nice. So they, um, you know, said make a training video for future agents and we'll give you a cooperation credit. So that uh, that, along with, uh, you know, like admitting guilty. Yeah, yeah, you know, uh, timely, it, uh, a timely, a time, uh, yeah, timely, yeah, like timely plea, fault or whatever it is,
1: timely plea and uh, acceptance of responsibility. Yeah, so
2: th- they basically said, if you plead guilty today, we'll keep, uh, you know, plead guilty today and make this training video, confirm everything he told us already, you know, plead guilty. We'll keep the amount under a hundred thousand dollars, which avoids an enhancement because anything over a hundred thousand is an enhancement. So they like it was like 96,000, whatever they kept it just under 100,000. Um, and uh, we they wouldn't charge my wife with anything. So all her charges would be dropped. And you know, with I knew with looking at like two to three years with the cooperation and that enhancement gone, I'd only be looking at like a year. So of course, I fucking took yeah. that. You know, what I mean, I think they said at that time they were like, we found uh, $380,000 in Knoxville. You were still finding about ten grand a week. It's coming in through the banks and right. this and that. So, you know, with that time, I don't know how much time I would have been looking at. It probably would have been four years because yeah. that's another enhancement on this. Yeah, but
1: that's four years if you plead guilty. Like if the, I know guys if you go to, if you go to trial, they'll start stacking the charges. Oh yeah 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 for yeah. sure.
2: So I mean yeah that was an offer I could not refuse. Yeah. You know, don't charge my wife, keep it at a hundred thousand. Now I owe a hundred thousand or ninety six thousand in restitution, but you know.
1: <laughs> it is what it is it is yeah. what it is, so all right uh and now you're now now I'm, you're out start, starting bed
2: fed paper yeah, I just got out uh I was in Lexington um got out like three months ago, currently in a sober living house <laughs> in Knoxville. What are you doing for work now uh, well, I'm a printer I nice. work at a print shop a vinyl shop, you know uh, it's called Graphical Warehouse. You know they're they're good people there. I'm, I really got lucky landing that job. I was honest with them. Up you know yeah. in the interview, I told them like I just got out of prison. I was
1: counterfeiting. Yeah, well, it counter that's a plus for them.
2: <laughs> well, it's experience. Yeah, yeah. You
1: know, um, I was gonna say uh, I I wrote a book uh called Bent about a guy that's uh he was uh counterfeiting plastic for the Russian uh-huh. mom. and same thing all his stuff was graphic designs he was always Mm -hmm. doing he's always worked for print shops and you know it's just that's just what you like doing You know, I mean I
2: think it's tempting for people who work you know when you're around printers and you know graphic design there's so many things you know like with if you're capable of fraudulently making you know birth certificates money anything
1: your mind's gonna jump I mean yeah I could use this for this I could use this for this for sure you know
2: for sure, and the amount of money you can make is unlimited. You know, unlimited really, if you, if you do it right. So it's, it's yeah, definitely it's, tempting.
1: It's, it's too good out here. On uh, you know, what I'm saying you go oh, to, yeah. you go to prison for a year or two, <laughs> and you're like you're just like you know I'm fucking I'm gonna, what am I doing? Like I'm, yeah. I'm not gonna live like this the rest of my life. I I'd rather live in a fucking somebody's spare room and yeah, for be sure. able to turn the channel when I want and have a fucking cell phone and yeah. you know. When you I know. was doing
2: that, that was. St- the most stressful time of my life, obviously. I think that, I mean, I'm making U-turns everywhere thinking I'm being followed. You know I mean? I knew to see there were bolos out. There's a couple, like, pictures that were released on Knoxville websites. Like, well, we're looking for this guy for passing $100 bills. You know, you're always on on the run thinking you're wanted, you know. You're
1: living out of hotel rooms. Or, yeah, dealing
2: that. with fucking scumbag drug dealers all the time.
1: Right. You yeah. know, And in the end, when you walk back out of prison years later, where's all that money? Yeah. Like, you don't have any of that money yeah like it's it's not it, it's it, i mean in my opinion even what i was doing it's just it's just not fucking worth yeah. it i'm just plus
2: you owe it all back to them yeah, on top of that yeah. So and they'll really... strip everything from you yeah, anyway for sure
1: now you start off and yeah yeah it's bullshit it, it's not the way to go but um all right i appreciate you watching the videos see you